Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 54, midterm election recap. There wasn't a red wave, but it looks like Republicans will take the House. Ballot measures had a great night. Who were some of the biggest winners and losers on Tuesday night? And I see we already have Danielle here. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in Danielle. And you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hey, Savvy. Hey, how are you? How are you? Hey, I'm everybody. Good. So, um, so last night was so, so it was just such a weird feeling because regardless of what happened, and I'm sure so many people, um, probably probably feel feel the same. Whether a Democrat won, if a Democrat won, I was like, what the fuck? And if a Republican won, I was like, what the fuck? Like literally that was regardless of every race that was happening. Um, I think that I wanted to see, I, I think I was a little surprised. I think, I think I thought because of, um, I mean, and I was basic basing it on just what I've, you know, felt in the atmosphere, I guess, um, so I was definitely wrong on that, but I thought the there was going to be a little bit more of a red wave just based on the economy and everything going on and their failures. Um, but um, but it was like it's weird. It's like the wins weren't wins and the losses weren't losses. If that makes any sense, like not that much of a shakeup. Obviously, we lost the house. We knew that was going to happen. And um, uh, to and what we were talking about earlier. Um, in regards to the house, I feel like they don't, we don't, the house, like they don't run those elections the same as they do the, for the Senate races. And where our eyes aren't people's, the people's eyes aren't on the house as much, but that it that may be by design because it's an important factor to get legislation passed. So. I think those are good points. Do you think, because I'm thinking back to 2018, right? When the um, the squad members ran. And maybe it's just because I was focused on the squad members. But I felt like in 2018, there was more of a focus on the house races. Yes. You think but, so? But absolutely. absolutely. But I... Absolutely, but it possibly could have been because of the people were, um, they were glorified to us a little bit, possibly, because of who they were, like, um, they were, um, not glorified, but they were, um, glamorized was the word I was looking for to us as progressives to, like, to make, to, for change, so... That's a good point. I, they were, um, I think they were promoted more too, because like the progressives that I named to you guys tonight, like I only knew two of those people. Like I had never heard of the other progressives that won, like <laughs> that, that Bernie Sanders like congratulated. And I, I did feel like there wasn't as much of, of a focus on them this time around, like it was back then. And I think some of that could be because of some of the pushback that, um, some of the pushback I think that some of the other people in independent media received when they were trying to promote those candidates this time around, like on their shows, there was pushback. Like we didn't have that pushback last time because 
we didn't have a, a squad before 2018. So they were the first ones to to break through. So there wasn't that pushback from the audience saying, no, don't do this. But now that they've had time to be there and we've seen the way that they're behaving and not pushing legislation and not using their leverage, now it's like the next wave that was trying to come through this time around, they just, people really weren't feeling it. I, I still remember uh, when Marianne Williamson did that panel when she was promoting the progressive candidates that were running this time around, Seize the House, that was the name of it. The audience feedback was not good, was not good. Like I remember like I watched part of it live and then I had to like, <laughs> I had to vacate because the comments in the live chat were so bad. And like, I didn't agree with that strategy anymore either, but <laughs> I just didn't comment at all. But the comments were really bad. And I was like, wow, people are really not feeling this anymore. Like I thought it was just me and those of us at RBN, but like, the the feedback was really bad so it's like those progressive candidates definitely were not they they were not promoted the way that the squad was and then also the other thing i've noticed as well i feel like uh the justice democrats model like those who started it like jink and kyle and them i feel like they didn't move forward like they didn't move away from the original squad that got in. That's mainly who they talk about. So the newer people that were running, a lot of those people I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. And the outline for what it means to be a progressive, what is that? Because I feel like nowadays it's like, oh, I once said that I like Medicare. I agree with Medicare for all. I said that, you know, I said that once. <laughs> I said that one time. And but what does it mean? Like it should mean like, you know, it, it wouldn't work. Imagine like, you know, trying to be in the Republican Party with like Democratic talking points. Like, but how did the progressives in our party get away with that? Like whether it's being pro-war, pro-cop, um, just, you know. It, it doesn't. What what does it mean to be a progressive? Like we didn't. I don't know. We need to pull the reins in on that because that like that term is just doomed. Well, now it's doomed, I think, because they've tainted it. And it's just I think we should just drop all that and just push for ballot initiatives and rank choice voting and try to expand ballot initiatives and what it means and like and take back our as we're we're losing power we're losing more more, more every year that goes by we're losing more power and um it's like the only way i think um i used to think that it was like third party but even third parties would end up being corporate i not saying all of them um but because of the machine like going in there against the machine like once they're um, even if we had that, like, there's still going to be the Republicans and the Democrats. Like, even if we we're always going to be fighting them, in other words, like, even if we form some great masterful party and have great people, they're still going to be there. The Republicans and the Democrats, they're always going to be there. And, um, and they're always going to be powerful. So we need another way. And I think the, um, ballot initiatives and expanding on what that means and strengthening strengthening them too because like you've pointed we've talked about before you might have a ballot initiative in your state but you may be in a state where the governor can alter that like my state and i'm here in florida 
Yeah. So <laughs> no, that's that's true. That's why. And I'm gonna do another panel about this. Um, I think I should do this. I think I should do this panel uh, at least every year because I did one earlier this year. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't have anywhere near the amount of followers that I have now. So a lot of people have not seen this panel, but that was one of the things that we did break down and in reference about initiatives that different states, different things. Um, in some states, it's direct BI. In some states, it's indirect. In some states, they have constitutional amendment. Like, so the rules are different depending on where you live. And that was one of the things that we did mention is that FYI, one of the cons is that depending on which state you live in, the governor can come in and veto it. Right. So we haven't really had that problem happen here in Massachusetts. Luckily, for the most part, like we really haven't run into that. Um, but I, I also you think that problem in my state where he's locked up people for a valid initiative that I voted for. And, you know, yeah, and no and blindsided people for, you know, his his wins. Also, oh, I wanted to touch on that, too, because like I and it's so weird. You've seen I, it looked like in some parts of the country, the culture wars, whatever they were going on over there, the candidates like it did well for them. And then in some that it did not. And it looks like it did well for him in Florida. But also there's other factors during COVID. We've had they say anywhere upwards of over 700,000 people move here in the last few years during COVID. These were all people that were fleeing their state that liked that wanted to come here because of that. They wanted to come here because of he was promoting it as, oh, come here. I'm just like Trump, you know, love me. And and people did. And I think that that may have shaped it. But that's just for Florida, though. That doesn't mean that it's for the whole entire country. I don't think I don't know if the culture wars that he could grasp a hold on that for everybody, because that will only go so far when you can't afford a bag of rice. So like, at least it did for me. That's why I was, I was kind of surprised, like, cause I've been struggling and I'm like, damn, like, how are people making it? This is bad out here. Like, oh my God. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a really important point that you just mentioned. Danielle was the pandemic because I do have friends that live in Florida. And one of the things that they were saying to me is like, they would post pictures on Facebook. Like we were shut down here in Massachusetts for a while. And I'm talking when I say shut down, the only thing that was open was like the grocery store and the gas station. And even then, there were certain times that seniors were supposed to go to the grocery store and nobody else. Like it was it was weird. Like, but we were like locked the fuck down, like here in Massachusetts. And like it was really, I'll be honest with you guys, it was depressing. Like it really was. Like, and I'm I'm an extroverted person. Like I like to socialize and like I couldn't go anywhere for a while. And I'm seeing my friends that live in Florida. They're posting pictures and videos and on Facebook and like they're at the beach and it was a wild <laughs> west here in a rebellious yeah. way too. And they were doing it in a rebellion and, and some of it, it was in a, it was in all kinds, there was all kinds of factors. You could see it was rebellion. It was stress. It was confusion. It was don't care. Don't give a shit. It was all kinds of factors. And, mm -hmm. um, and for better, for worse, though, but it also like people look at the upsides of that and then it really sucked like for me and what I didn't understand. And I was kind of, I was both surprised and not surprised. So weird, like what happened, like I felt both ways about it. But 
the house that I can tell you firsthand that our housing rental has tripled. Like it is absolutely ridiculous. It has completely changed the entire map of the whole scale, the whole cost of living for our state. So there's a lot of negatives that came with the, oh, oh, we were open and it was the Wild West during COVID. And now the Florida residents here can't afford to live and used to cost like it was ridiculously cheap. I used to tell my father who lives in New York, I was raised in, I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Brooklyn and moved here a long time ago and kind of got stuck here. My daughter, um, I have a daughter here. Her father lives here anyway, blah, blah, blah. But my father, I always told him that he'd be able to retire here and and leave New York and live on his retirement out here. And that is absolutely not true anymore. He would have to work <laughs> out here and get his retirement because it is changed. Yeah, um, JB, my comrade at RBN, he's in uh, Orlando, Florida, and JB was just telling me about how expensive it is like to live there now. And you're right, Florida used to be the place that you can just go and retire to. And I think what's happened is that, again, when you have an influx of transplants like that, the housing costs are going to increase. Same thing happened um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina, Dallas, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee. So like now you're right. The people who are actually residents there, especially the ones who may be from there. Now it's like, okay, we can't afford to live here. And then they, those people end up moving somewhere else. And then the problem goes to another city. So it's, it's a big problem. Um, What I heard from people that live there, they said that even those that didn't like Ron DeSantis, they liked the way that he handled the pandemic because he kept things open. So from what I understood, I guess Florida's economy didn't suffer the way that our our economy did here in Massachusetts. A lot of people lost their jobs and a lot of businesses closed like for good because we were locked down for so long. And I know people say, well, those PPP um, or PP, uh, PPP loans were supposed to help the the small businesses. The problem is that the states didn't even handle the funds correctly. By the time the money came through to the governors and the governor was supposed to give the money out to those businesses, like those people's businesses had already been closed. They had already like lost it. It was too late. And like to own a business here in Boston, like the rent is expensive. So yeah, a lot of a lot of small businesses here is closed. So our economy was like it took a big hit because of it and it really sucked. And that is one thing I will say. Like Nico House told me this as well. He said he agrees with the way that Ron DeSantis handled the pandemic, that they stayed open. And this is what I'm trying to tell people. I think that really increased his popularity. And look at the way that he just won uh the gubernatorial race again in Florida. It wasn't even close this time, Danielle. Out of all the races, it was the most crushing, I believe, like Mm. by the by the furthest margin. Because you remember how close it was uh, in the the previous election with um, with Gillum. Remember Gillum? That was Mm -hmm. a close race. Yeah, it was within 10, I believe. Um, But 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 way closer. But you're absolutely right. And I think he's going to be the one. And like you said, I think he's I know you need to have more callers to um, but um, I do think he's going to run. So I don't think he's going to be my governor for that long. But that's going to suck, too. He's going to take care of us. We're in crisis now. And like like and um, 
people are like all kinds of, I have all kinds of friends that even myself, like I have a roommate now, but at the time, like that I was looking for a place and they were asking for four and five times the rent. And I have another story too. Even, um, I have a little story, even just like the way that they were making money. This is a funny story and then I'll go. So ERA, uh, I was looking for an apartment and, um, it, they cost, it cost $50 to apply for an application for these apartments. This is what all these places are doing now. And, um, there was this little apartment, wasn't even anything great right near a college. So nothing like too crazy, just some single mom. So nothing extravagant two bedroom apartment. And, um, I liked it called back, I think like a day or two later, um, just to check on the application. And I don't think she meant to tell me this, but she did. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'm Danielle. I'm just checking on my application, whatever. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, we have, you know, we were one of 50 applicants. And I said, 50 applicants at $50 a piece. So, and I did the math. I, I think she was like, like, because I don't think, because I was started to like, because I was like, you mean to tell me that you made $10,000 just showing an apartment? And then she was like, oh, well, no, that's just like the policy. And I'm not sure. And like, it was, I was like, I can't even believe you just told me that. I was said, after 10 applications, like, what exactly were you looking for in a tenant? Like, what, what kind of... That's like, that's, that was mind blowing to me. Like, I couldn't even believe that it sounded criminal. Like, it should be criminal. But that's what happens when the governor tells everyone to just come move to Florida. 100%. I mean, like, you have to ask yourself, like, do we have the infrastructure to support all of those people coming here? It's just like, you know, I, I mean, it's just places that were affordable because I've lived in the South as well. So, like, some of these states that were really affordable to live in, like North Carolina, they're not so affordable anymore. And same thing with well, South Carolina is still OK, but it's, it's getting that way. If you go to Charleston, South Carolina, it's not really affordable anymore. And it's been an ongoing issue. And I, I don't see a resolution to it unless we all start moving to the middle of nowhere in the Midwest. But then they're going to end up with the same problem. Once you start coming there, um, they increase the, the housing because the demand increases. So. My best friend lives in Nashville, Tennessee. She's been there for years. The first time I went to visit her years ago, uh, we could walk through downtown Nashville during the day, no problem. Last time I went back to Nashville for her wedding and we were walking through downtown Nashville, you can't even walk down the street. Like it's so many people. It's like the fastest growing city in the East now. Like so many people have moved there and like now the houses there are becoming unaffordable to the people who grew up there. And it's just... This is a problem everywhere. So when people tell me, how about all of us just get together and just move to the middle of nowhere in the Midwest to some random town? I'm like, you know what's going to happen? That random town is going to have a housing demand. And when the demand increases, they're going to increase the cost of housing. That's what happens. So it's just we really have to get a handle on the issue. And Governor DeSantis, him telling people, we'll just move to Florida, that shouldn't be. I'm going to see if I can make, um, Roger, I'm just going to put you as a speaker because I know you have a lot to say since we talked about ballot initiatives. But um, anything else you wanted to add, Danielle? Uh, no, thank you so much. Um, it's always a wonderful talking to you. And hey, everybody, and thank you. Thanks so much, Danielle. You too. Thank you so much.
Okay, we are bringing in See the Change. Just have to unmute. You are on the mic. Hey, Sabi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. I'm doing good. Doing good. Hi, everybody in the in the chat. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, whew, I'm not surprised by the by the results that we got. <laughs> I know a lot of people were saying, like, you know, um, you know, there's gonna be like a red wave, but I didn't I didn't really anticipate that. And I'll be honest, for me, uh I I feel very, very similar to Danielle, where I feel like the left lost either way. <laughs> So I wasn't too too invested in in the results, but I was really interested in the the BIs that you were talking about, and um, I even mentioned this in the chat I, uh, when you were doing your live stream that you know I'm really grateful for you for pulling those things out because it's very very easy to get discouraged and lose focus, and and it's hard to be positive on the left. We see so many things. Uh, not changing and all these barriers and stuff to to uh, making the kind of progress that we want to make. Um, so it's really good to highlight, you know, some of the wins that we get because it's not often that we get them. So I really appreciate you for for pointing all of those out and then even saying there's more out there. You just, you know, just look, look it up. There's more, uh, you know, victories out there. So they may seem small, but um, they're really, really important. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Yeah, I think like these these ballot initiatives, you know, I mean, I live in a state where we've had ballot initiatives for years and like I would go vote, but mm -hmm. and those questions would be on the ballot and I would answer the questions. But I didn't realize at that time, like years ago, I didn't realize just how significant it was to have those questions on the ballot. And um, Roger Meadows was really the one who told me, like, listen, Let's stop trying to get things done through the federal level and just focus on what we can do in the states. Because one of the things my dad always tells me is like, try not to spend too much time, too much of your time focusing on the things that you can't change and you have control over and put more of that focus on the things you can change and you do have control over. And I, so I asked myself in reference to politics, because I talked to my parents about politics as well. What can we do? What do we have control over? Well, <laughs> ballot initiatives like the single payer healthcare uh, initiative that I told you guys about tonight from Massachusetts, that was put together by a group of activists who formed an organization, a grassroots organization, and said, look, let's try to get this done. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean every time you're going to win, but at least that's something that you can actually do. We have no control over corporate money in politics on the federal level. Unfortunately, we don't. And no one has come to me with a solution to get corporate money out of politics. And I've been hearing about it for years, but even the best of us in terms of strategists and, and journalists and commentators in left space, none of them have come up with the solution. They say in Citizens United, okay, but then what happened to that? Like, again, that's mm -hmm. something the politicians have to do. That's not something that we can do. And so then what happens is like, we put a lot of our trust and hope into those politicians in DC, hoping that they're gonna be the ones that are gonna come in and, and fight for those things, but then they don't because they get swallowed up by the, the, the corporate uh, entity that is there. So I think that 
when it comes to the local level, that's where we can get the most involved. And it's just getting a group of people together, like these ballot initiatives, all of us can do this. We don't have Mm -hmm. to be a politician. You don't have to have held like a political uh, position or worked in a political office. Anyone can do it. The activists in Washington state are doing that right now, trying to get single payer. In, in Washington state, they've been on a lot of our shows, Washington, uh, the Red Berets trying to get this done. And it's like, if we want to get these things done for 2024, because it's every two years, we really need to start working on it in January, hit the ground running, get those signatures, because all you got to do is get the signatures to get it on the ballot and then and then go from there. But I mean, even that, like some of the things are just constitutional amendments, like some of these states that are not. BI states, they have a constitutional amendment, so they're able to change things that way. But this is really where we're going to get the win. So when people come to me and say, how can we change things on the national level? I mean, there's no way to do that. We can't force our politicians in D.C. to do it. We can stop voting for them. We can we can protest in D.C., have massive protests. But I mean, even looking after the George Floyd protests, like, That's why I said those protests should have never stopped or shouldn't have decreased after Joe Biden won and Trump lost because we actually had the upper hand there. And when Joe Biden won, all of a sudden, like a lot of people just went home as if the problem was solved. And I think that's a big part of it. It's like if you want to have that movement on the outside, you're going to have to look at what the civil rights movement did. They didn't have just one protest. They continued and continued until they got what they wanted. Uh, But I think today, uh, the energy I see is not there. It's really hard to get people to do it because people are boggled down with work uh, or people just don't have the the energy and, and the strength to keep going like that. And I think that's the difference. So it's frustrating when I see thousands of people out in the street in France and Sri Lanka and the people just rising up like that because I've tried, like, it's hard to get Americans to do it. And after George Mm. Floyd, I felt like people just kind of checked out after those protests. So I think while we're focusing so much on changing things on the national level, on the local level, Republican candidates and Republican politicians, they're running for positions like school board and they're removing CRT from schools. They're banning books from schools. And because the Democrats, like the Democrats and progressive and leftist and socialist people are sleeping on the local level. They're not paying attention to it. And this is what happens when you don't pay attention to it. So we should be doing those things like a lot of younger people. If you're listening and you ever thought about running for office, maybe instead of running for, you know, Congress or for Senate, why not run for school board? So you make sure that they don't ban these books in your school district. So you make sure that they don't try to remove CRT Why not running for city councilors so you can help the people in your district? Like, this is really where it's at. That's something that we can actually, we have a better chance of doing instead of trying to hold someone like AOC or or Joe Manchin Mm -hmm. accountable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting that you bring that up because, you know, when you talked about your dad saying, you know, don't focus on the things that you can't change. You know, and, and then you're like, well, what what can we do? Like, I'm thinking, yes, but also what are people willing to do? You know, willing and able like they're And I, I don't really say able as much because there's this, there's a space and a place and a, a role for everybody to play in, in a left movement. But more like, what are you willing to do? There's a lot of people that aren't willing to do it, even if they can. Now, 
of course, I understand your work and kids at school, your family and stuff like that. It does play a role. Um, but that's that's the challenge, right? So when I, I lived in Baltimore for a little while and um, did a, uh, learned a lot about organizing and um, stuff like that while I was there. And it just was so amazing <laughs> to see the energy and sometimes the lack thereof of these people doing it every day, all day, calls, you know, um, sending out emails, doing, you know, phone banking, doing posters, organizing, doing classes, doing the, doing that, you know, door knocking is, it's a lot involved. And so I totally get that it could be overwhelming, but I hope that, you know, through, you know, the messages um, that people are getting, we can kind of get people involved, you know, in a way that could really make a difference. Um, I was, who, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, this, it kind of sparked, I think it did kind of spark, um, I think it was Chris Hedges had done an interview, I believe, with uh, um, Brianna Joy Gray, and he made a mention that, you know, part of the reason why the left is lagging so is because we're very unorganized, we don't really have a leader for the movement and all these things, and I'm thinking, as I was watching that um, that uh, Malcolm X video tonight on your live chat, I was like, you know, like, <laughs> There's so many martyrs, you know, have have gone, and they, these people were young and vibrant and excited and willing to do what it took. You know, they sacrificed time with their families, they sacrificed, they put their lives on the line, um, and and a lot of them uh, were taken out. And I'm just wondering, like, do you have any like thoughts about why it has been so difficult for us to get on the same page? Have a, a, a you know one or two or a panel of leaders that could really lead us to where we're trying to go you know some sort of liberation and revolution like why can we not get that together well those types of things are happening but they're happening on the local level so like for example mm -hmm. the uhuru movement um uh omali who came on uh they're doing all those things it's just happening on the local level. So they have like three different chapter loca locations, uh, Oakland, St. Louis, and Fort, I want to say Fort Lauderdale in Florida. So they've been doing those things for years. They have like food mm -hmm. kitchens, they feed people, they take care of the community, they have a reparations center. Like they've been doing this for years. And I honestly felt uh, like a fool when- For not knowing? Or um, for not knowing, yeah. I, I didn't even know. And mm -hmm. if it wasn't for the raid that they had from the FBI, I probably still wouldn't know. And mm -hmm. it's just, mm -hmm. so that's the thing. Like those things are happening, but they're more so on the local level. Um, I actually have uh, two people are coming on next week. They have started worker co-ops and they're going to explain to the audience how to start a worker co-op. Like these are the things that we need to know how to do. Like, I feel like I have seen multiple shows where people will come on and they'll talk about what they do but what i notice what's missing is they don't explain to other people how to do it mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. that's a big one it's like the number of people that have reached out to me after we did the activist summit and said i want to get involved how do i reach this group how do i do you know so that was a big thing when i did the union panel um, for the activist summit, I asked them, can each of you explain the steps that you took to start a union? Because, that, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's nice. 
people interview them all the time. And this is really great. We interview the Starbucks workers and all that. That's wonderful. But I don't see people ask them to explain to people what are the steps you took to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. the thing because other people want to do it too, but they don't know how and they don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. people end up just not not trying because they don't know where to begin. And I think I'm going to start bringing on more people like that that can explain how to do it. So like, for example, Roger explained multiple times, like, guys, this is how you do ballot initiative. This is how you do this. Now, granted, Roger doesn't come on the show, but he's explained it like in the chat and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. this is what we need more of. So in reference to revolutionaries and things like that, I recommend checking out the Uhuru movement. Uh, They still Mm -hmm. do their website and everything and how you can get involved. Like they are doing a lot. Uh, If those of you are down south and you're near uh, Mississippi, I recommend reaching out to Cooperation Jackson because they're doing a lot of these things that like we talk about. And so people don't know about it because they're local organizations. And Mm -hmm. um, I would also say somewhat heavily suppressed. Some of them may not want to be well known because they don't want people um, or not that they don't want people. They don't want infiltrators. So there's that too. Um, I'm going to be starting up. I'll be sending this out next week. The RBN uh, chapter, mutual aid uh, chapter, at least for my area, CJ has already sent out the information for his to get people to sign up who are in New England that want to join and want to participate. So I'll be sending that out via my newsletter and, and get those things going. And then hopefully the idea is one people join the chapters The idea is that you guys will have the tools and the information that you need to then start a chapter in your your area and get other people to join there. And that's how it spreads. And that's exactly what the Black Panthers did. That's exactly what a lot of these volunteer organizations do. I mean, it's just it's getting the word out, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start small. And that's why I say always start like locally first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I'm really excited for next week. This is going to be great. And um, like for for your audience that's listening, if y'all haven't checked out the summit, there were two actually. There was this, this that was the second one. Um, yeah, check those out because they they were so amazing. Like I, I felt like I was at like you know when you go to like one of those workshops and you go to like this one and it's scheduled from this time to this time and then you like you know shuffle over to another room and then you do the workshop there. You listen in and then it's like that's what it felt like for like two days of just like listening to all kinds of. A different panels of people talking about, you know, um, uh, change as well as, you know, yes, 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 talking about information and facts and stuff like that, but also giving some solutions. And I think that's what it is. I, that's my frustration with politicians is they are so good at restating the problem. Mm-hmm. We know. You're saying what well, we know. We live it. We understand. We don't have, you don't have health care. This costs so much. This and this and that. I'm like, yeah, 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 exactly. So what now? Well, what, what are you going to do? Like, don't, you know, like we don't need to hear what the issues are again. And I don't know why people get so pumped. I was listening to some of these circuits that <laughs> and some of the Dems were doing to ramp up everybody for these midterm elections. And I'm like, why are you cheering and yelling when they're like, you don't have health care. You want health care. Yeah. I'm like, uh, <laughs> what the 
<laughs> that is so weird to me. I'm like, yes, we know. Why are people cheering? Like, why are you not asking those questions as to not only what are you going to do, but I want to know step by step. I want some timelines. I want deadlines because it's it's so um like arbitrary. Like they don't give you times. And if they do, it's foreseeable in the future and all this, all this stuff, hoping that you'll forget by then, which happens. People have short-term memory for some reason. Um, and they forget. I'm sitting here thinking like, did anybody pay attention to the primaries? Like Kamala got freaking tore to shreds. Biden got tore to shreds. Like so many of them just got torn down and now, you know, and, and, and had to drop out some of them because they weren't getting you know, enough support and, and, and votes and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got this, this candidate standing up here that some people have known for a year. Like my parents, I'll say this real quickly. It just boggles my mind. Um, the things they don't know about Biden and his history, or if they do, they've really just kind of dismissed it because he's associated with Obama. And I know mm -hmm. it's so sad. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Okay, student loan thing. He's trying to work on you. Know, that's my dad, you know, trying to work on it, baby, trying to work on it. You know, I'm like that he's the reason I'm in this mess. <laughs> he's part of the reason. <laughs> like, do you do you not understand this? You know, oh, you know, he's gonna he's gonna fight for healthcare. We got a lot on the line, you know, you gotta vote. I'm like that, you know, just like it, it's hard. It's really difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like th things like that are so it's just so ironic, you know. It's like it's time for us to actually start. You know, doing something with the information that we already know and live with every day. Um, and that also another thing I wanted to kind of piggyback off of what um, Danielle was saying earlier um, about the the changes in the market. Uh, I, I don't know if I brought this up. No, I didn't bring it up in Colin. That's right. Um, so I spoke to uh, one of my clients is a, um, oh God, I can't remember the, the word now. She works for a bank where they work with like lending, you know, home lending and stuff. And they've been experiencing a lot of layoffs because the housing market is so bad. And she's just, uh, she's really anxious, you know, about losing her job because there's nothing to do. I'm like, there's nothing to do. She's like, there's nothing to do. Like I just sit there and I panic waiting for the moment when they tell me that, you know, I no longer have a job. And, um, you know, Texas used to be also another one of those states that was lower cost of living. A yep. lot of people were, you know, moving there, you know, and and it's like now it's just as much of a struggle, you know, and and I'll be honest with you, a lot of that is relative. So people that are already living in Texas were struggling under their own, you know, circumstances. It was hard for us already. So now you can imagine that since people have moved here with a little bit more money, because, you know, when you look at the gap between the cost of living, it may have been more affordable to live here and that people will have a little bit more change on hand. Well, now, you know, it's 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 a horrible situation. Um, and I have I have noticed that happen, too. You mentioned something about uh, the PPP loans. From my understanding, don't didn't some or don't some people who got those have to pay that back if they didn't get approved? like with yep. interest. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. But, um, one thing I have learned <laughs> over the years is that, you know, the federal government, when they send money to the States, they have a little too much trust and faith with the mm -hmm. governors of those States mm -hmm. to distribute those funds uh, quickly or swiftly and in, 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 in a more direct way and timely manner. 
And some states handled it well, and some states did not handle it well. Uh, same thing with the rent, um, with uh, the the rent income application. So also mm-hmm. during the pandemic, that was another thing where people were asking for rent forgiveness because we were shut down here in Massachusetts. And I remember reading an article that said like 90% of the applications were denied, mm-hmm. even though those individuals mm-hmm. lost their jobs and weren't working because the business that they worked for was shut down because we were locked down. Again, but again, that was the federal government having too much faith and hope in the governors of the states to handle it. And that was the thing. Like, so the federal government has to stop trusting, and I hate to say it this way, but it's true. They have to stop trusting state lawmakers to distribute funds that they give them in a timely manner and give it to the right people. That's the other thing too. But like, so some people didn't get the PPE loans, PPE loans. Some people got the money. Some people didn't get the money. It's just, it's a mess. Like imagine if they did that with the stimulus checks, imagine if they sent the check, they told the governor, here's the money, distribute the funds to your residents. I don't think some of us would have got those checks. Those checks. Mm-hmm. I just like, <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. They didn't, they didn't handle it well. They, they really didn't. And I mm-hmm. watched a lot of businesses closed. And so yeah. it's, yeah. it's, this should never happen mm-hmm. again. Like, so I think that's a big part of the problem, but I think that I hear you when you say about, you know, like your parents and Joe Biden's relationship with Barack Obama, mm-hmm. and most mm-hmm. of the people that I spoke to during 2020 election, although they liked the policies that Bernie had, they didn't believe that Bernie would beat Trump. And I would try to explain to them how mainstream media was just propagandizing mm-hmm. them and they're buying into what mainstream media is saying. And they would just tell me that like, yeah, well, Biden was Obama's VP. And it's just, it goes back to that Malcolm X video that I played at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X was trying to warn people back then they send in the white liberal or they'll use a black face to to keep the african-american community in check meanwhile mm-hmm. we don't get anywhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly exactly yeah and i think you even made that comment that you know the the white liberal is is the one to have your eye on the most because you know when you see and you believe that facade of that empathy and you know what i'm saying it is just um you tend to play into it. You're like, oh, okay, there is hope, you know? And it's just like, yeah, there's hope, but not there, you know, not there. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so many things. It's so funny. I told my dad, I said, you know what, dad? It's so funny because you could pull up videos from like the 50s and 60s and they're having the same conversations that we're having today. So if there was so yes. much change that's happened since then, can you kind of explain to me? Because I wonder where their head is. Like, can you kind of explain to me where you find that kind of faith in a democratic party that has had decades to show you some kind of significant change. I'm not talking about, oh, we can sit in front of the bus or anywhere we, I'm talking about significant change in your household, in your pocketbook, in your health, in your fit, you know what I'm saying? And, in, you know, in, in, in where you grew up. And I'm like, you know, he grew up in just like poverty, had to drop out before high school to take care of family. Like, like if anybody should know, you know what I mean? Mental health issues in our family that 
people couldn't afford and, and went untreated and made their situations more dire and stressful. I'm like, why are you not more upset? Like, why are you not, <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Like you got blood family you'll stop talking to if they lie to you. <laughs> but you mm -hmm. have these people up here that have been lying to you for years and you still, you know, it's going to work this time. No, 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 no. It's like Stockholm syndrome or something. It's like, geez, what, what, what is the deal with that? Um, yeah, I, I, I try not to talk. I like, unlike you, I, I can't have conversations with my, especially not my dad about politics because it never ends well. And I always get so passionate about what I want to say um, that I feel like it shuts them down. Like he doesn't want, they, they don't want to listen after that because I start, you know, getting into this thing where I'm just so, um, I'll just say passionate, <laughs> upset and passionate. Um, and, and I also wanted to mention one more thing, just real quick. I want to ask you a question. So I saw this interview with Coleman Hughes on Brianna Joy Gray. And in the chat, we were talking about how cool that would be to have him as a guest on either one of RBN's shows or RBN. Is that something that you would be open to or, or see as possible? I would talk to anyone like I'm not I'm not one of those people that's like no I would never like right. talk to that person mm -hmm. like I'm I'm open um mm -hmm. Coleman Hughes if I remember correctly and I could be wrong he's probably one of the people that I didn't have contact information for that I couldn't mm -hmm. find contact information for some people are really hard to like find like mm -hmm. my email address is public like open obviously you guys can I put it in like the YouTube video a description thing but um mm -hmm. some people it's really hard to find like email information for them or they'll have a website but the website says if you want to contact them you got to fill out a form and I usually never get responses from forms mm -hmm. so yeah he's probably mm -hmm. I, if I'm not mistaken I think he might have been one of the ones that I mm -hmm. couldn't find contact info for but yeah, I think when they were wrapping up, I like went ahead and left. But I do know uh, that usually she'll ask people like, you know, where can we find you? How can people contact you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, you know, maybe we can find out. And I just know it would be such an interesting conversation to have. And I that's one of the things I love about RBN. Like I was such a huge follower of uh, you know, some of these other uh, white liberal left, you know, quote unquote leftists, you know, like, oh God, I can't even say their names. I'm about to throw up in my mouth, Kyle. Eh. <laughs> uh, you know, oh my gosh, like some that I'm even embarrassed to say I ever watched, but I really, it was almost like um, amazing to see a group of like, you know, young, you know, people of color coming forward to have these conversations and really talk about things like they need to be talked about in a different perspective. And not only that, but people who are living the poverty experience. When you're, when you're getting these messages from people who are well off, always have been, they're fine. Their parents are attorneys. They grew up in da, 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 da. It's, it's now it's easier to see where you could have that disconnect now that we have, you know, a group of people that you can kind of bring into contrast. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty about 98.999% sure other people agree with me because I know a lot of people got their start uh, with like Young Turks and, you know, um, what was the other one? Um, progressive. I don't know those names that they have. Um, and so it, it kind of led us to this and we got more um, radicalized as we went. And then, you know, to have RBN come along when they did, it was just like really, really awesome. So um, yeah, I hope that y'all well, get a chance to, to do that. Yeah. It's, 
it's such a different flavor too. I'm just, it's such a different like vibe and energy and everything when, you know, when you guys are on. So uh, you guys do amazing work. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, I, I will add really You're quick welcome. because I know someone will hear this and they'll clip this and try to make it something that it's not. Uh, so I do oh, want to add you. really quick, like I'm not living in poverty. I want to add that because I know someone oh, yeah. who's sure. a hater will hear this and they'll be like, oh, Sabrina yeah. said that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I no. don't live in poverty. <laughs> Um, but I, I have before, uh, so I do know what it's like, but I think that, um, I think people need to hear different voices. I think people yeah. need to hear from people who don't all look alike and don't all have the same experience all the time. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to talk about being working class if you've never been working class. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and it was so and i always had that logic in my mind but it was all we had you know what i'm saying it was all we had and mm -hmm. then i got let down by other you know roland martin and um oh god what's that other what's that other uh i can't remember his name why do i always slip when i need that name um but yeah just a, another black male left this you know and it's just like okay okay maybe we got something going here and then it's like eh, nope fail again you know um so this is 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 really refreshing and um you know, hopefully i see the audience growing bigger and bigger i've been i've been hanging with you for a long time since when the chats were like you know in the low tens and now it's like <laughs> hundreds of people earlier today i was like 500 people hell yeah <laughs> It's crazy, right? I know it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, thank you guys for for all you do. Um, I really enjoyed listening in, and um, hope you have a really good night tonight. Thank you so much. See the change. Yes, ma'am. All right, talk to you soon. All right, I'm gonna bring in Karthik. Uh, Case I made you a speaker. Um, I, I want to get your opinion about how you feel about how things turned out as well. But uh, let me go ahead and say hello to Karthik. Karthik, what's going on? Uh, what's up, Savvy? Uh, thanks for calling on me. Uh, what do you think of the Herschel Walker race? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Case, I'm going to get your opinion first. I'm going to come in last. Go ahead, uh, Case. You just have to unmute. Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's up to the chat? Um, Man, I have to gather. So I apologize. I have to gather my thoughts because I was just talking. Somebody just interrupted me. But um, as far as everything that's going on, Atlanta, uh, I'll be surprised to see if he can survive the uh, runoff, which is Herschel Walker and um, what's his name and the other person. Warnock. Warner, thank you so much. So I'll be surprised if Warner could su survive that. I know you just uh, commented a couple people that were, one person that was libertarian said that they're voting for a Warner. One person said they're voting for Walker. That's very interesting to see that display. I have the same mentality that you have, Sabrina, that if you're a libertarian, you're just going to vote conservative. But maybe um, he, he survived it last time. If I was to predict right now, I, I think he will lose. Why? Because they promised they gave all these promises last time. And they didn't fulfill those promises. They promised police reform. They promised $2,000 checks. And we got word back from the activists on the ground that worked so hard to get it passed. They said, hey, if you guys don't do something over the next two years, we can't do this again. We can't knock on doors and say, hey, we're going to get this if you vote for um, Warnock. And they're going to say, well, two years ago we voted and we didn't get anything. Now, uh, personally, I have two family members that's in that 
Atlanta, and they did not vote. I was I was a little bit shocked, but then I was like, hey, I don't blame you guys because the Democrats don't do anything to excite you. But the the person I was truly surprised by is I have uh, somebody that I would call them a normie that they always have CNN on, like literally always have CNN on. And so I'm I'm thinking this is the Super Bowl for you. Like I guarantee you, I, I if somebody were to bet me if this person voted or not, I would say, oh, 100% they voted. Axter didn't vote and she said oh i felt bad and then i didn't vote i say hey i'm not mad at you i'm just super shocked because you literally every time i come in the house you have cnn on and you did not vote it just shows you how people are not motivated or i i I wanted to ask her if she had a long line because i I know nick brings up this point that it can be expensive quote unquote expensive to vote because if you have to wait two hours to vote that's like what he would say is expensive or it's a it's a cost to vote and I know me, I voted in like literally like five minutes where I live in New Jersey. And I can't imagine waiting two hours to vote. I, I would I don't totally sympathize with them. So, um, all right, I'll, I'll get back to Mike. Hopefully I gave my got you got an understanding of my opinion on this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Roger, I, what's your take on the Walker, uh, the Walker Warnock uh, race? <laughs> I it's not really a take but it's a strategy and what I would do if I was um, a Georgian, I would say, Hey, low, Hey, excuse me, Warnock, you over here, come over here. I want to speak to you for a second. Remember that $2,000 that you guys promised us. All right. So check this out, right? If I don't see that $2,000 by the time the runoff happens, I'm not voting for you. Matter of fact, I want interest. Give me another $2,000 to, to uh, make you me vote for you for the next round. That's what I would do. Uh, loan sharking, I see. <laughs> 100% interest rate. Exactly. Roger said your rate just went up. <laughs> That's right. Or uh, w- w- what's the term? It's not. It's also not like it's like uh, what's that thing that uh, Washerman Schultz supports? Do you know what I'm talking about, Savvy? I try um, not to. I try not to pay attention to. Oh yeah, it's it's like uh, uh, payday lenders, where like payday lenders have like interest rates of like five hundred percent or whatever. It's insane. But so savvy, would you want to see uh, Herschel Walker in Congress? Because obviously, if I, I I live in the California, if I lived in Atlanta, uh, I mean Georgia, uh, I I wouldn't vote for him personally because you know I I don't vote two party especially federal level, but I think it would just be, like, funny to see him in Congress, because he's not, like, skinny, funny, like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Bobbert is, or he, he's not even scary as Sarah Palin, where Sarah Palin will just, like, you know, spout and all sorts of stuff. Herschel Walker's just, like, dumb funny from all his years of CT in football. <laughs> and he's just in the House, so he's, he's already, I mean, sorry, he's in the Senate, but, like, it's not like he's gonna, like, actually, like, legislate, because... The house um, is almost certainly going to be GOP, so it would just be amusing to see him there with all the gridlock and stuff. Yeah, I think. Well, I would say this: like, if I was there, I would have you know, voted I- for the third party candidate. And I think that um, I still can't believe. Well, I almost say I can't believe. I did predict that it would be close between them, but I do want to say the fact that Herschel. Um, Walker is actually this close to Raphael Warnock. It's pretty pathetic because Raphael Warnock is the incumbent. 
and he got had a lot of support. You know, people know him now. He's been there in the Senate for a while. So like people know him. And I just feel like, how did you let Herschel Walker even get this close to you? Whether it's Georgia, which is, you know, I would still say Georgia's red. I know they're saying Georgia's turning purple. I would still say Georgia's kind of red. Whether it's Georgia or not, how did you let Herschel Walker <laughs> get that close to you? So my whole thing is, is like, I did warn people that this would be a close race. I Warnock really messed up not getting to that 50% because all you have to do is get to the 50% to avoid the runoff. And I don't know how many people are going to come out uh, in support of the runoff. But like I said, my focus is on those 80,000 libertarian voters. Now, remember last time with Herschel, not Herschel, excuse me, with Warnock, there wasn't, we didn't have this. So you had a libertarian candidate that got over 80,000 votes. Where are those voters going to go? And I traditionally thought like, they usually end up voting Republican, at least the libertarians that I know. But Larry Sharp told me earlier today that they'll end up voting for Warnock because most libertarian have left-leaning policies. And I'm like, okay, because every libertarian that I know, they end up voting Republican. So I don't know what's going to happen, but maybe they may not show up at all. I don't know. But it shouldn't have even gotten to this point. Like, it really should have never. And it just goes to show you that the Democrats just... They really didn't deliver for the people. Like the fact that people didn't feel motivated, you know, they said that the Gen Z vote was a good turnout, you know, a high turnout this time for the midterms. It was, but not compared to 2018. 2018 or, or 2008, voted. probably. Right. So it's like, so it, it just, you have to ask. That's why I said before, was canceling part of the student loan debt? and the overturn of abortion, that still wasn't enough to have the same amount of young voters turn out the same way they did in 2018 midterms. That still wasn't enough. And I feel like the reason why the turnout was so high in 2018 is because like I said, Trump was in office. So they were they were coming out against him. But now it's like, is the president is a Democrat and people are having economic problems still. So I don't think many people felt as motivated. I don't know. Yeah, and um, uh, when Joe Biden runs in twenty twenty two, like he, like oh, I, I, I think it's going to be massive gridlock for the next two years. I'm guessing the House will be GOP, and then so because because you have split government, Joe Biden's going to have the perfect excuse not to do shit. Like, oh, what could I do? The Republicans tied my hands behind my back. There was nothing I could do. So I just. Uh, feel that like if there's anything good that happens in the next two years it's, it's going to be all like, like a, a executive order or executive action like maybe like if he's like desperate again like a 30 percent in the election like maybe he'll i don't know forgive some more student debt or like or like uh re reschedule marijuana to schedule two i don't know but like if anything good happens it's, it's not gonna come from congress right and remember even with executive order remember they can vote they can veto oh yeah i know i'm just saying that um he'll be like scared enough to do because because I, I know crystal ball was saying oh joe biden forgave student debt because bernie sanders pushed him left or whatever was the one pushed him left but no it's obviously he did it because his poll numbers were like 32 percent right and actually there was a guy that came on he was a part of the the student debt uh coalition the activist group it was an activist like organization that pushed joe biden 
And and they had been doing that for for a while. Like, so, I mean, it's just, I think we need to stop giving credit to politicians for work that activists are doing. Like, I really do. Like, it's just like, you know, if Crystal doesn't know that, it's probably because she's not into activism or she's not paying attention to what's actually happening on the ground. But I think we need to stop giving credit to politicians for the work that activists are doing. And this is why I tell you guys, those who want to get involved in activism, don't let politicians get a hold of your your movement. Because once politicians come in, then it's like, next thing you know, they're the ones that are taking credit for it. And then it's connected to a political party. So you don't you don't want that to happen. But but yeah, it's just. It's crazy. Like, I think it's just crazy. Like, again, I don't understand why the Democrats are like cheering. They're like, yay, no red wave. And I'm like, have you looked at your numbers? Like, why are you cheering? You lost the house. Well, they wouldn't really care if there was a red wave because they get to fundraise crazy. And I'm sure the people that lost would get like a lobbyist job, most of them at least, or like a TV job, you know? And, and then they can just play victim. Like, like they're going to play victim no matter what. Like, because now it's like, Either like the Senate's gonna uh, both Congress houses are gonna be red or just one, and so now they're gonna have the perfect ex- excuse to do jack shit. Mm-hmm. That's true. But uh, guys, I've seen this happen so many times during like my lifetime. This happened under Obama. Same thing. Yeah, I remember like 2010, 2014. I remember seeing like the midterm in twenty fourteen on TYT. Like, like, like the Democrats got destroyed. I, I know the House lost like 50 or 60 seats and then the senate lost like i think like seven seats yep so it was a lot yeah yeah i mean it happens but like those two years when he did have the majority he didn't try to pass anything he didn't try to abolish the filibuster which should have happened and we wouldn't have had the overturn of roe v wade yeah he said he was gonna do that on the first day and then you know he still hasn't passed uh like any like pro-choice Mm-hmm. stuff and i know for filibuster i saw a press conference where even joe biden admitted that the filibuster was um a like a product of like to help sl- slaveholders or keep slavery but then he also said oh yeah no i don't i'm not sure I should do. you know I, i'm looking into you know i'm looking into uh dissolving the filibuster or whatever <laughs> i'm looking into it you know eventually you know if 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 there's if the moon is in the right uh, position and the sun is at the right temperature and it's the right auspicious day then maybe we'll do something i hear you i hear you well karthik thank you so much for calling in i'm gonna bring in zach how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. What's your take on all of this? The midterm election results. How you feeling? Well, so I, I, as a disabled person, I can never feel great because they're, they're not going to take care of me. You know, I, on my social security, I make like $30 a day. So I, I actually, I don't pay attention so much because I, like you i don't i don't vote for democrats or republicans but um i you've been getting me really excited about um these ballot measures and the initiatives i wanted to actually ask if this is probably a big ask but it would be really cool to see you do a breakdown maybe a 50 um 
like segment that's a lot but of how to actually because i don't know um get a ballot measure on each state's um how to actually do it because i i uh chicken with my head cut off <laughs> what state do you live in colorado oh you're in the perfect state oh my god a, that's one of the you're in an easy one zach yeah and no, so it's it's awesome you say that but like for for a political novice i think um, even yeah. if you didn't do it on your shows, like to um, have like a pamphlet or something or like a master list, this is how you do it. I would really love that. Roger, we're going to have to link up again. Remember those those um, the information that you wrote down on that that Google Doc, your Dropbox Doc? About, oh, I, yeah. I still have it, but the requirements... Okay, yeah, but- the requirements for each state, yeah, yes. Maybe um, we yeah, should be that was maybe information to disseminate. Yeah, Roger. Maybe we should get together mm-hmm. and create some type of a how-to. Okay, well, we'll um, we we could figure out something. Um, but I just want to say, um, uh, Zach. Yes. Um. So, all right, so. Let me just say this. Matter of fact, let me also address a little something that Danielle said. Because she said, so I'm, I'm going to go around the world. I'm going to start with Danielle, come to you, and then come back. Um, so Danielle was talking about how she's in Florida, and the governor did the thing with the, uh, like, oh, you allowed the voters to do a ballot initiative, allowed the, um, the people to, uh, 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 former incarcerated people to vote well, I'm going to do this, right? So let me just say this. Florida is only a BI state to amend their state constitution. They can't do a veto referendum and they can't pass state law through uh, the ballot initiative process. And on top of that, they, the, the, the Floridians let themselves get tricked into um, saying uh, uh, 60%. Like they need like a 60% supermajority for something to pass, okay? So I would say, I would say uh, this, um, you, like if you're, if you're a ballot initiative state with a, with a, um, like Florida and Illinois, where all you could do is amend the constitution, amend the constitution to give you the right to do veto referendums to repeal uh, executive orders and um, what's the other one? And laws, and give yourself the, the right to pass laws through ballot initiative as well. Now, um, but your state is um, a direct ballot initiative state for both to pass uh, laws and to add amendments to your state constitution and you could do veto referendums so the difference between direct and indirect is direct indirect means all right it qualified we got all the signatures needed it qualifies to go on the ballot but we are going to give the legislature one last chance to to adopt it to pass or reject it and then it goes on the ballot okay that's that's like massachusetts that's what massachusetts does but 
with the direct, as soon as it qualifies to go on the ballot, it just goes directly on the ballot, okay? And Colorado is that for, just like Arizona, is that for um, passing laws and amendments and doing veto referendums. Okay. Um, the information that Sabrina was talking about, about um, the, the thing about how to do it, that, that was on Ballopedia. Um, okay, so you can, you can actually look that information up, like um, h- how to get like a, a ballot initiative in my yeah. state. On yep. Ballotpedia. Okay, I'm going to look that up but, and but you know what, put something together. Start with Ballotpedia. But, but um, oh, my phone went black. Am I still here? Yep, you're okay, here. still here. Okay. Roger, um, maybe we can, I, I think what I'm saying, what um one thing that could be done is because if you don't understand the terminology, like you and I know what, what it is, what all these different terms mean, oh, like direct and indirect, yeah, maybe if there was a way like, if we can break it down, because like reading it on Ballopedia, like, again, if you don't understand what they mean by direct and indirect and constitutional amendment and referendum, okay, it can yeah. easily turn people, people can get confused and be like, what the hell are they talking about? So maybe if, cause that document that you sent me, you broke it down uh-huh. where like you put down the definitions of all those things. I think right. if we could put something together, that's a little bit more simpler for people. Okay. Jazz it up, make it look cute. And then just send the link out to people so people can just take this in their own hands. And then also, how can people, if they're not in a ballot initiative state, what can they do to try to make their state a BI state? How do you do that? Really good. So what what I'm trying to do is I'm thinking of possibly, um, because I was talking with with, uh, a friend of mine, and I was saying to him, I said, you know what, how about we start maybe a 501c3, like three different ones. One called the New York Ballot Initiative Coalition, another one called the New York Public Bank Coalition, and another one called the New York Worker Cooperative Coalition. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is really new territory for me, so I wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? He knows a little bit more about, he knows stuff that I don't know about the, about how the sausage is certain things but this is the whole purpose of collaborating and cooperating with others in the very spirit of the cooperative because you're not going to have all the answers yourself so you form that supply chain with others who know stuff that you don't know you know what i mean and and you know like move it forward you know um oh also i was gonna say i forgot uh danielle you're in florida and you're from brooklyn just like my man sal hook up with him Get, get together. Do uh, contact Nico or something. Run an initiative. Because <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of believe it or there. not, guys, like when I did that ballot initiative panel, that was very easy for me to do because for whatever oh. reason, a lot of the left commentators live in ballot initiative states. A lot of us do. So when I was like, let me do a ballot initiative panel, I was like, oh shit, this is easy. Especially like Hardlands, like Kira from Hardlands Media. She was a tremendous help because she, earlier this year, and I don't know if everyone saw it, earlier this year, each segment, she broke down the ballot initiatives for each state. This was months ago. I think they started doing it in March. I was was, Mm -hmm. was volunteering. I I was producing it with her. Because I, yeah. I, I gave it that idea, and I was just like, yo, let's do this. I'll do the research, and then you back my research up in case I miss something, and then you present it on your show. 
So we was we was working in collaboration uh, uh, like that. By the, by the way, a little bit off topic. I sent you and I sent you and her an email. It, um, it it had to do with German stuff because I know both of y'all are German. But that's something else. But yeah, check it out. Um, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I saw that uh, tweet that someone mentioned the incorporating ballot initiative initiatives with the mutual aid political party idea. And I'm definitely interested. That's that's definitely a staple part of the idea, which is that third plank, which is systemic change. It's just a matter of how we go about doing it. And I, I was interested. Hopefully she reaches out with her full thought out idea, because I'm definitely open to anyone who has any idea how we can work together to get this initiative move forward. Yeah, you talking about Lucy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lucy. Um, Lucy's really good. Like I, I worked with with her on Camp Dada. So like she's um, she's really good with that kind of stuff with finding solutions locally. And then um, also Eric, my producer Eric, he's off tonight, but Eric's will will, will be really good at that too. Um, so yeah, like we all have to like collaborate to get these things done because I'll be honest with you, like a lot of people just don't know about ballot initiatives. Like I said, for years I was voting. And I saw those questions and I answered how I felt with the questions, but I didn't realize just how important it was until Roger like brought that to my attention. And actually when we passed uh, legalization of marijuana, I was like, oh damn. And so my dad was just like, you know, explaining to me like, no, that was, that was only on your ballot, not in the other states. So he was able to break that down. But I think it's really important that people truly understand what it means. And I, I noticed like a lot of the, uh, election like coverage for the midterms per se that a lot of the focus was on the candidates and not a lot of focus on these ballot measures and people need to know about how to do things locally instead of just focusing on the national level i think you're selling people short if you're just telling them what to do nationally and not telling them what they can do locally that's just my opinion on that i kind of um i kind of disagreed with you like in the past couple of streams it's like no savvy so like with the economic stuff, it's a little bit separate because I'm an MMT or and so like federal minimum wage, we would have to or like Medicare for all. It's a bigger conversation, but like, no, we have to do this stuff federally. And it's like, no, we're seeing I I was mm-hmm. really excited to watch your stream tonight. It's like, no, look at all these ballot initiatives that have passed. We're uh-huh. getting this shit done. And yep. Because these federal MFers aren't doing anything. So I, I really appreciate that point of view because it really opened up my eyes. Yep. Because that, that I'm, you know, Sabby, I'm working on um, Jose now. I'm trying to pull him away from, he wants to run for Congress. I'm like, his, he was on Hardlands Media like a couple days ago. And I'm mm-hmm. pulling him and I'm pulling him. I'm like, dude, I was there already. I was there. They're like, no, we do LaRouche. We do top-down strategy. Top-down strategy yeah. ever since I was your age and before. Yep. <laughs> okay? Yep. You know, so he it, it, he's on the fence. He's, he's on the fence, and I'm trying to, because I want someone to run that's going to put um, a legislative initiative before us. So I, let me just, oh, so let me just make the, show you the difference. Citizen ballot initiative is what 23 states can do, where the citizen puts an initiative before the voters to vote. Legislative initiative is what all 50 states do. You see what I'm saying? So in order for us to be a ballot initiative state, 
we would need a legislature to pass. We would need the uh, the legis the state legislature to pass an amendment and then put it before us for ratification. That would allow us to do that. So that's what I was trying to um, do. Whatever the case is, so I was trying to get him to um, run to be that state lawmaker that would actually put that initiative before us. Right. Um, and the problem is, uh, you know, and no shade to anyone running for Congress, but the problem mm-hmm. that you run into is one person thinks they can get in there and they're really going to change things. And mm-hmm. if you do end up getting some progress in the house, it gets blocked in the Senate. Exactly. Cause I was like, listen, I was like, Jose, it's better to fight. 149 New York State Assembly members than 434 uh, House members. It's better to fight 62 New York State Senators than 99 U.S. Senators. And <laughs> easier. Like, and easier, yes. too. Exactly. Exactly. Do yeah. you ever... So, my viewpoint before was like, I would be jealous of a state that got medicare for all and it would be a little demoralizing i don't really think that way anymore but that was why i was more for national politics because it's like well no one state has one thing going on and another state doesn't want to do it like um a tennessee or you know the carolinas they're not going to do any progressive stuff so we got all these blue states that are you know have better minimum wages maybe with that strategy and and the other ones are like i don't know fighting against it let me just say this you know that out of the 23 ballot initiative states i think 17 of them are red states Mm. okay that proves that our policies are universal policies like most of yeah that's the thing that that we need to mention too because i know it could be it could be misleading coming from me because I am in Massachusetts and people are like, oh, yeah, of course they passed that. She lives in Massachusetts. But it's not just Massachusetts. Most of the B.I. states are red states. And so this fight for 15, psh, that shit should have been done years ago. Mm-hmm. Should have been done years ago. You see Nebraska passed it. Florida had passed it before Nebraska did. This should have been across the board in all the B.I. states years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's it's not just my state, and that's why I wanted to show you guys that tonight. It's not just a blue state like Massachusetts that's passing these initiatives. That's such yep, important the, the, information. The only blue states that I, so I think off the top of my head, the the um the, the states that um are direct where you can do all three um is California, Colorado. Arkansas, Arizona, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Montana, Missouri, Oregon, Oklahoma. And then it starts to kind of like split where Massachusetts, but Massachusetts does all three, but they do it indirectly. Florida and Illinois can only do constitutional amendments using the initiative process. Um, Idaho Alaska, Maine, Utah, Washington, Wyoming can only pass state laws and 
do veto referendums. Um, I think that's all. Mississippi used to be one, but then they lost the ability to do it because a, 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 a kerfuffle happened there. They lost the they lost the congressional scene. It, it's it's a whole it's, it's a whole mess over there. Um, and we take so and um, yeah, I think that's I think I named all of them. Um, but but uh, oh yeah, Nevada. Nevada. As a matter of fact, I think Nevada. I think Nevada, um, through their ballot initiative, passed ranked choice voting statewide. Yes. Yes. See, that's another one. Like, and that's what you need if you guys want to vote for third parties. So I think, like, the thing is, um, Roger just mentioned, like, all of the states. But also keep in mind, Washington, D.C., they just passed to, to, to increase the wage for servers, right, for waste staff. That's yeah. not a – first of all, D.C. is not a state. It's a district – and they're not BI, but they passed it. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's there's ways to get around. There's different things that you can do in different states, right? I know people bring up Pennsylvania to me a lot because Pennsylvania isn't one of them. But what you what you guys have to understand is that typically the way that it's worked, I can tell you how it's worked here in New England. Massachusetts, we're usually the first ones to pass shit. Like in New England, we just are. I don't know why, but it happens. Once we pass it, then that puts pressure on to Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut, New York. So when we legalize marijuana, that put pressure on all those states. I and so to all, tell you. Of them, all of them passed it except for New Hampshire because New Hampshire is a weird place anyway, but their motto was live free or die. But like they, the guy I brought on that talked to me about it, he said, we passed it in the state house. He said, but it didn't pass in the Senate by one vote. So New Hampshire is a little bit weird, but like, but also at the same time, New Hampshire is not the kind of place where they're going to be like trying to arrest people for weed either. That's the difference. Also, um, yeah. sorry, not, oh, sorry. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, I forgot to mention something to you, Sabrina. Our New York Health Act. Remember? Okay, so yes, uh, it would cover people who don't live here but work here just like your massachusetts medicare for all but it also if i were to go and take a vacation to another state and i broke my leg new york health act would cover that because they would just send the bill back to the state back back so if i'm in you know i don't know uh Arkansas or something, uh, California, you know, whatever state or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I got in a car accident, I broke my leg or whatever. I'm up in the hospital. Then the New York Health Act would cover that because I'm a, I'm my mailing address. I still have residency in New York state. So I don't have to, because, you know, it works like insurance, you know, like you have insurance. That don't mean, you know, yeah, I got, I'm insured in New York, but that don't mean that if I drive to another state and get an accident, they go, oh, oh, well, too bad. You got an accident in another state. We won't cover it. So mm -hmm. So just know that also that that was something key that I forgot to mention. Mm -hmm. And people need to understand, too, like. Not everything that passed here was done through a B.I. So, for example, gay marriage was legalized in Massachusetts. That was not a ballot initiative that happened because the activist group GLAD, they put pressure on the superior court here in Massachusetts. They sued them because they wouldn't allow gay couples to marry. So after they got that lawsuit, they were like, oh hell, we don't want more of this. 
Let's just go ahead and legalize gay marriage. And that's how it happened. A lot of people don't realize that. It wasn't like Massachusetts was just like, yay, let's just give, you know, marriage licenses to anyone who wants to marry. That's not how it happened. They were pressured and they were sued by the activists. And that's how that happened. Yeah. So it is important to have that pressure from people from the outside. Like Ooh. it does work when you do it, you do it the right way. It does work. Oh, um, Zach. Yes. Zach, right? Yep. So, you guys need a public bank. Reason I being, agree. Uh, so you already know what it is. Yeah. But, um, okay. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm in those circles. I'm. I'm learning about it. Okay. If anybody want to come to the public banking, we have it every Friday. Oh, sorry, the first Friday of every month. Just go to the Public Banking Institute. They, we have a we have a thing, um, a Zoom, the first Friday at twelve noon Eastern Standard Time. That would be tomorrow. Um, Friday, the first Friday is every month. But um, the, the, but mainly the reason why I say it is, all of those profits from from weed that you guys legalized in Colorado, you guys can't put that in a bank because the banks have to abide by federal banking regulations. But if you had a public bank, a state public bank, then the then the state would insure community banks and credit unions, and then they would be able to take in profits made from cannabis. Okay, because as of right now, you know, I don't know what you know. It's kind of dangerous. You've got all that money on it's site. It has to be in cash. Know. Right, it has to be in cash. So that's, you know, like, you know how people think, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Dead Presidents, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, so either there, Yeah. So you got Colorado Medicare for All and Colorado, the Bank of Colorado. Yeah, that's that go. would be really awesome because then I could... So... I have a almost a, a mutual respect relationship with JB because we have similar medical conditions, and I that would be really awesome to get on a Medicare for all state where I didn't have to worry about Social Security and I could be more of an activist because it 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 really uh, shackle on me. You know, I I can't travel for you know it's it's a long story but travel for too long no, like, i understand all these red tape rules and it's like right you, you're so right if we if yeah. we had these statewide things that could decouple uh -huh. us almost from what the the federal government stipulates then we could be a lot more free that's right that's right and i think that um you know the New York Health Act, for example, Roger was the first one to tell me about that. Like, that would be huge, right? For people in New York, not just New York, but people who work in New York that live in Connecticut or New Jersey. I mean, it was just, that would be huge. Um, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pencil Pennsylvania. And that's another thing. So I think that passing single-payer health care in those, those 20 districts in Massachusetts, I'm glad that passed today. 
Uh, now the next step is to get the legislators to write it into law. Luckily, like I said, this organization, they did a lot of work on this beforehand and they had already reached out to legislatures to get them to co-sponsor. So they'll be reaching right back out to those people and saying, okay, write it into law. Oh, go ahead, Roger. I'm to ask you a question real quick, Savvy. Sorry to interrupt, Roger. Sure. I just, um, I think Roger was saying something about Maine. I just want him to go ahead and uh, finish what he was saying. If Maine, Maine is going to put their ballot measure for 2024 for their version of Medicare for all on the 2024 ballot. Mm -hmm. So if Maine, Massachusetts, and hopefully if we could get these damn lawmakers, we got enough co-sponsors in both chambers of the New York State Legislature to pass it. Okay? And, you know, it's a whole bunch of bullshit. But if those three states were to pass it, we can lock the entire Northeast down. Yep, that's That's right. And people will be like, oh, shoot. They did it? Let's us do it. Yes. Because what you guys have to understand is Listen, you only need in the beginning, you only need to get the one. If you Mm -hmm. can get just that one state, it goes back to the same thing with Colorado, right? When you guys legalized marijuana in Colorado, everybody started looking at Colorado like, what? We're like, wait a minute now. You know, and I hate to say it, but it seems like Colorado seems to be the test state for a lot of these things. But like when you guys did it, then other states start looking at Colorado like, well, wait a minute. Why haven't we done that? That put pressure on the other states to be like, we need to get on board with this. And look how many states have legalized or or at least decriminalized marijuana today. Now, granted, I know that does not cost the state money. Right. So it's a little bit different. But at the same time, like all you need in the beginning, you just have to get that one, that one state that will make an example and say, look, we have this here. And then get the other states to look at it and say, well, wait a minute, Massachusetts has passed single payer health care. We need to pass that in our state. But Roger's right. If you cannot, if we can knock down or at least lock down the Northeast, that would be gold. And then it will trickle down or 100%. spread across. But you have to have the activists on the ground to mobilize and to get that done. And I think that's what you have to like hone in on. We can't just sit back and hope and wait that politicians are going to do the right thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, on the national level, Rokana told me this himself, we are never going to get Medicare for all if we don't have a president that wants Medicare for all. And right now, we do not have a president that wants Medicare for all. And I don't think the next president coming in is going to want Medicare for all because I told you guys, I seriously think DeSantis, if he runs in 2024, I think that he will win and we will definitely not get Medicare for all. So there's that. So I think, why are we sitting around waiting for the federal government to do some of these things we can do in our own states, you know? 100%. So um, one thing, uh, before I ask my big question uh, topic, uh, I would love if um, this might be overstepping, but I would love uh, for Rome and CJ uh, to have these kind of conversations. So if if you're ever like in a meeting with them, be like, hey, Colin's really cool. Uh, we've got a couple people that would love to talk to you about. I have a project out in um, 
Detroit uh, specifically that I, I would love to talk to Rome about, and it, it's really hard to get in contact with him. So um, just having the other members of RBN uh, on call-in would be really cool. Yeah. Um, so you should be able to, if you go on call-in and go to Revolutionary Blackout, we do have a call channel. It's called um, Revolutionary yeah, the, Discourse. The Discourse. I've talked to Nick. We've had some really good conversations. Yeah. Um, okay. But Rome, I think Rome right now, um, Rome is actually heading towards Flint from what I understood uh, last I time because he's trying to send water to Flint just like he did in Jackson, Mississippi. So he's working on that right now. Rome can be a little bit more difficult to get because Rome is usually on the ground. Yeah, he's always doing the thing. He's always helping people. I that's what I love about him. Yeah. Um and CJ is is also pretty busy. I know he's starting his chapter. Yeah, yeah but I, um, I can yeah, I can let them know like, hey guys, like maybe we can do like a group thing that would sometime be like uh, on the RBN call in um as well. Yeah, um, and then so my last thing, um, uh, devil's advocate. So some of these poorer states, um, you talked to Steve Grumbine from Real Progress. I've worked with him. They may not have the money for. They say they pass Medicare for all. If if they don't have that tax revenue they wouldn't be able to do it, then the Medicare for all fails in the state. I, in my opinion, why I, I would, I love state. We can totally focus on that, but um, I, sorry, I'm losing my words, but why I have been focused on national is because when, when a state fails, that's when the politicians can look at that state as a case study and be like, yeah, Medicare for all would never work in the United States because look, this state, Colorado, they already tried it. They they didn't have the money for it. Where are we going to find these dollars? I that is right. Like I right. Think my top concern. Well, Public there's, bank. There's a yeah exactly. Sure. Public bank is a okay. way to prevent that. Also, too, I, I want to add. Um, there's a difference between Medicare for all and single payer. Okay. And and there's there's that, but also the state still has to, the state gets the funding from the federal government for this particular issue. So it's not like the federal government would know that Massachusetts, oh, well, Massachusetts passed it. Da, da, da. They would know because you still have to get it. Because Savage Joy explained this when she came on last time. They still have to get the the approve the funding approval from the, the federal government, right? The waiver, so they would still know. But to that point, they could say that about every initiative that we pass. They could say the same thing about fifteen dollar minimum wage, right? They could say, "Oh, fifteen dollar minimum wage, we can't pass that federally because it didn't work out well in such and such state." But look, they voted against it, right? Last year, or the, that, that was actually earlier this year. Seven Democrats in the Senate voted against $15 federal minimum wage, right? Democrats. We knew the Republicans wouldn't do it, but Democrats voted against that. But states have had it for years. 
We mm. passed $15 minimum wage in Massachusetts years ago, way before Bernie Sanders even thought about running for president. So I think uh, it's just when you look at it on the federal level, they're behind. Um, uh, Zach. Yeah. So do you have a pen and a paper? I Yes, I do. Okay, 720-523-0689. What that is, now I put that in the chat. It's healthcareforallcolorado.org. We are leading the grassroots organization working for a publicly funded universal healthcare system for all Coloradans all american citizens here so i was just i put the link in the chat also i lost him oh can can you hear me i'm just gonna make him a speaker he dropped off it happens sometimes zach i invited you to speak because sometimes people um it's an app thing like sometimes they drop off the app okay there he is he's he's still there i'm gonna bring in scotty too but go ahead uh roger um zach did you hear me I, i don't know if you heard me I think he heard you. He's still here. He's he's in the speaker queue. Okay. So like I said, it's 720-523-0689. And it's healthcare for all. Oh, all right. ready? Yeah. No, okay. I, I'm uh, in the chat. Sorry, I accidentally hung up. Um, yeah, so I will. Let me get that number again. Sorry, I am doing right, two ready? things at once. Yes. 720 720- Seven two zero five two three five two three zero six eight nine eight nine. Got it. All right. That, yep, that's for healthcare for all Colorado dot org. Cool, to yeah, and I have the, um, the website you posted in the link. Right. I actually and, might um volunteer if yeah, right here. Cool. Based. Mm-hmm. All right, also, I want to make sure I want to make sure I bring in Scotty. Scotty, you're on the mic. Just have to hit unmute, Scotty. While we're waiting on Scotty, uh Case, how do you feel about all this in reference to like the ballot initiatives? You'll have to unmute too, I think. I think that um I don't know. Maybe. Scotty, you have to unmute. Um, he might be having a little bit of um, difficulty. He, probably, he might have lost the mute button because that, that happened to me. Lost the mute button? It grays out. What? Sometimes. Yeah, it did it to me. And all of a sudden, like, then you had to um, invite me back in. Roger, oh, do you no. ever do uh, rooms? Hmm? Uh, do you ever do Collins? I would love to have uh, some further discussion with you. Oh, I'm, I don't. Uh, I don't really do. I, I, th- <laughs> I, <laughs> I think you should contact the people in your in your state. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean, and 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 and, and go with that. Right on. I've tried to get. Um, look, guys, I've tried to get Roger to come on on my show. 
I've tried multiple times. Roger said, no, I'll really do camera stuff. I was like, okay. I've, I've tried. Many people say, Sabrina, why don't you bring Roger on? I was like, I've tried. <laughs> oh, I just man. wanted to say. I just wanted to say this case real quick, but uh, right before you, Scotty, what Zach just said about his social security, that was exactly what I was talking about, how take federal programs and copy it to state level to so that the state can fill in the gap. So he was saying that his social security is at the South Pole and his cost of living is at the equator or maybe the North Pole. That's where a state social security could come in and fill mm. that gap or even go over it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. All right, that, that's all I wanted banks. to say. Yeah, the public banking. Um, thank you for bringing that to my attention, Roger. Scotty, I don't know what to do. Um, I did invite you to speak, but um, it's not happening. I'm going to try to bring in Saul. If you come in the queue, Scotty, I'll just make your speaker. What's going on, Saul? What's going on, sister? How are you? Can you hear me, y'all? I can yes. hear you. Hey, what's up, Case? What's up, Roger? Always with the knowledge. I love you. And all I have to say right now is I want to cheer Massachusetts right now for winning something. For winning something for the people. And ballot initiatives and direct action is the work. And that's the only way to get forward. That's all I got to say about that. And uh, the other thing was that uh, Fetterman versus Oz was like uh, the epitome of the oligarchy on theater display. It was rich people showing themselves off. No matter how much clout and how many people came out to serve, they still won. That guy's won. And yeah. for Roger, I know you want to say something. I'm on your side, bro. I'm on your side. Ballot initiatives, direct action is the key to winning your voice and to be heard. That's right. I'll keep talking about it. I'll keep talking about it more too, guys, because like Roger said, January, we need to hit the ground running. If you want to see yes. questions on the ballot for 2024, you really need to start organizing in January uh, to get those signatures and all that good stuff. Whole Washington knows a lot about this. Like they've done the work. Um, but you really have to like hit the ground. And Saul, you're in Florida, so Yeah, you know. I'm in Florida. And now I have Danielle. That's right. <laughs> I need, That's right. I need more people. I need more people with me. And the thing is that it's hard to find like Danielle's around here because they're blue or red. And it's hard to find a Danielle around here. And I'm glad Wait, I so found one. It starts at one. Yeah, but it starts at one to make that effort. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So I'm I'm going to be one, and she's going to be two, and she already said yes. So I'm going to follow up. Yes. Sorry. So anything, uh, the other stuff, like I don't really care about who won, Democrats, Reds. I'm just looking at the ballot initiatives. Who won that stuff? That's what I was looking at. I didn't care about anything else but who won the ballot initiatives. Oh. And I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous who won. In what state? I just I just like that some people are getting something that they need. It's not about yeah I don't it's not about me really. It's about because I'm not uh, like what JB is going through. He's in Orlando. He has different case. He is medically you know he has a problem medically and he needs the help. And I'm I'm not medically you know you know despondent. I don't have any problems initially you know 
So what I see for him, if we get that, it's for him. And and if it, if it helps me at the same time, then awesome. But for me, it's more about the whole, not the few. Mm-hmm. Well said, Saul. And another thing I want to add in, too, is that, you know, for those who are on disability, like, if you don't have someone close to you that is on disability, you don't realize just how little they are receiving uh, from the government. Disability There's checks... Also- let me, let me chime in on this. Uh, there's yeah, also two types of disabilities here in Florida. Rich disability and really poor disability. Because I, I associate myself, because I'm a graphic designer, I associate myself with a lot of rich people because, you know, that's where the money's at. And a lot of the people that I work for, my, my biggest client is an architect, and he's a quadriplegic. He's well off. And he doesn't have any issues with paying his bills or whatever. And that's the difference between like what's going on in Florida. This there's two different, you know, like tiers. Like there's the poor uh um with health benefit with health issues and there's the rich with health issues. I'm just trying to focus on the people that have no representation on that. Mhm. That's right. So, yeah. That's right. Because like it's it's just and it's not just healthcare you guys. Like I said, like a lot of states had they had these big wins, like $15 minimum wage in Nebraska. Keep in mind, like I know I said we passed that in Massachusetts years ago. Which Trust me, it goes a lot farther, further in Nebraska than it does in Massachusetts. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, $15 goes a long way up there, yo. <laughs> Over here, like $15 is still like I'm broke. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like it, it goes further there. And then, you know, I'm really proud of South Dakota for expanding Medicaid. Mm. That was huge. And I remember they tried to make it harder for them to get that to pass. They tried to change the rule and make it so that ballot initiatives needed 60% instead of just the 50%. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no. And so they voted against it that. Doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt the state at all, though. No, no. And the other thing is, too, is like, I know Nick's really happy that Missouri like legalized marijuana. Like Nick was... <laughs> Nick was like, Sammy. I was like, Nick, I know you're so oh, happy. Much love to Nick then, dude. I love that. You know what I mean? That's that's a win for us, man. Yeah. And this is what like, you know, and it's it's not just like those wins, but I looked at all the states that codified uh, abortion into law through these ballot initiatives, right? So, well, I mean, it's just like, these are the kind of wins that we can have locally that we're mm-hmm. still waiting for the government to do. The, the federal government still hasn't codified Roe v. Wade into law. And I saw, what, four states do this two days ago? Without needing to get the, 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 the national or, or the president's approval on that. That's right. That's the That's difference. What, initiatives, baby. And you also have to know how to, how to, how to weaponize them and, and use them like correctly and and what i mean by that is this south dakota is just like i said before south dakota in 2016 passed some serious uh, uh uh as a ballot initiative some serious regulations on big money in elections and the state had his was just like oh hell no so they repealed it because they passed it as a law they repealed it and then they went back and they took pictures with Rolex watches, the lawmakers just shining mm-hmm. it in the in in, mm-hmm. in the um thing, right? And the and the South Dakotan voters tried to take it to court, they lost. But here's the thing. 
when I say know how to use it correctly, there was two paths they could have did. If you know that you're about to seriously curb money in elections, okay, they should they should know you don't pass that as a law. You pass that as an amendment because when you pass it as an amendment, then they can't just go willy nilly. We can repeal or 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 alter it. If it's an amendment that you pass before they, if they want to do any of that, they have to ask you first through a legislative referred constitutional amendment. Okay. The other thing they could have did, if that was too late, they could have did a veto referendum. So when the state repealed their initiative to curb big money in politics, South Dakota's going to went instead of wasting their time with going through the courts, they should have said, "Oh, really?" Okay, well, we're going to do a veto referendum to repeal Roger. the repeal of our. Oh, can you hear me? But yeah, I said, Roger, who lives in who lives in South in, in South Dakota right now? Who are who is the majority in South Dakota? What Republicans? I don't know. No, what you I'm mean. saying like the people, like people. What kind of people oh. are in South Dakota? Because uh, I don't South- think about them in red or blue. I'm just thinking about them the like the people. Like, what's the majority of the people? I don't know. I've never been to South Dakota. Dude, you'd be, I don't, I don't exactly. Well, you'd be surprised because I um I interviewed uh, George Floyd's um uncle. Wait, Selden Jones. You remember that, Roger? Like that goes way back. That's that's an older yes. video. Remember, I interviewed Selwyn Jones. Yes. So Selwyn Jones lives in South Dakota, and you know I learned a lot about South Dakota from him that I never would have thought about South Dakota. Well, there's, there's native American populations in South Dakota. Big, Um, big native American population. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just thought like, I, what, what, what is, what happens when native Americans, uh, vote? I don't know. Like, I don't really know. I don't know if, I don't know how the rules are like, um, cause I don't know if most of them in South Dakota are living on a reservation. Uh, uh, let me ask Roger, does, does the, the native American voting rights fall like into like the sovereign uh, nations kind of thing? Like they can't really vote for a president or anything like that. You would have to ask a native American that I'm not the one. That- <laughs> I'm native, but I'm from the Caribbean. Oh, I'm, I'm Taino. So <laughs> yeah. But I don't know what the you know the North Dakota is doing because those are my brothers and sisters up there. But I'm from the small uh, another climate, and okay. uh, we don't get we like Puerto Rico doesn't get to vote really on much things because they're sovereign. Hmm. Um. Well, like I said, I mean, um, I guess you'd have to. I, I, well, I wasn't sure what, what you was asking Ooh, I about. Stumped, <laughs> I stumped Roger. Oh my God, I feel so powerful right now. <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't know what you what what you meant when you asked that, but I do know this: South Dakotans passed that, and their government said, "No, get back." Right. And what I was saying was, I agree. With um, you, in, instead of going through the court system, they should have just did a veto referendum and said, "Oh, you're going to repeal our law? Oh, okay. Well, then we're going to run a veto referendum to repeal the repeal." of our law to snap, to repeal your repeal, to snap our law back into place. So right. it's not just, it's, it's not just having the, 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 the weapons, but it's knowing how to use them efficiently. You know what I mean? It's, it's like when Thanos had the, had the six, had the six the powerings, gems. Yeah, the six gems the, of power in the glove. Yep. Right. 
and you know and 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 um when he you know when he had this when he had the six infinity gems it wasn't just that he had it he knew how to use it he knew how to manipulate manipulate them that's how to manipulate them exactly you're so right on that you can have all the knowledge in the world but if you don't know how to use it you're still fucked listen everything can be explained through marvel comics Yes, ma'am. Life can be explained. Yes, ma'am. I'm not kidding. Even like X-Men, if you look at Professor X and Magneto, they're supposed to be... um, That was Russia and America, basically, because Magneto was Russian or or whatever. He was part of that other part of the world. And uh, Xavier was American, I I guess. Oh, no, he was British. But some people see it as like MLK and uh, Martin Luther King, too. I well, heard that was the and MLK are the same. I heard thing. that was debunked though, from um from Young Ripper. Um, I gotta watch the video, but still and all, I, I know what you, I know what you mean because they had. But different... you can see it. You can see like the similarities. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, you got to take but, a look. You, at but you saw, it. but you saw that Magneto wanted to do right for his mm-hmm. people. Like he wanted to do right, the yeah. right thing for his people, and yeah, then Magneto Ma- came along. Yeah, go ahead. Magneto, Magneto is radical left. Yes, that's right. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I'm with Sabby on this Marvel whole thing. I'm like, telling yeah, you, a lot of things broke it down through Marvel. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, here, well, here's something else. I'll just mention it real quick. Oh, I like um, that. when you got, I think when you got off of, you got off of the call with Killjoy and JB because you was getting ready to prepare your show. Mm-hmm. But right when you. Right when you got off, because you was talking about Marvel, I had said in the chat, I said, if you remember, uh, in the 1980s Secret Wars, yes, when the Beyonder, when oh. the Beyonder had separated the heroes from the villains, and they put oh. Magneto with the heroes, and yes. Benjamin Grimm from the Fantastic Four was, well, what's this? What's this chump doing with us or whatever? And then what mm-hmm. happened was. Captain America and Magneto got into a debate and he was and Captain America was waving his finger at him and saying, oh, you're a terrorist and whatever, whatever. And Magneto was just like, ah, fuck you. You don't know what we go through. And then Wolverine came came to Magneto's defense and Magneto was like, oh, I don't need your defense. It was it's too bad. You got it anyway. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, look, we fight this guy all the time. We don't agree with him, but we do understand him. Oh, well, you're backing a, a bad guy, a mutant terrorist. Yeah, but when have you, Mr. That word again. America, the, the, the ever, word. Yeah, it's like, when have you, Mr. Captain America, ever stood up for mutant rights? Thank you. i never seen you do it. Yeah. And Captain America got silent and walked away. But exactly. just, you know, a little context. That's right. I That's didn't right. want to no, know. You got that 100% that. right. You got that 100 you, I can't believe you know by Secret Wars, bro. You on the point on so many things. Oh, so no, you've we, entered the, the Marvel. Same age. Can you say that? Huh? You, what happened? You've entered the Marvel. You've entered the Marvel universe, Saul. Oh, let's we're do the that. same age. Remember that you said you were Gen X. That's, By the way, I'm Gen X baby, Sal, I'm sending oh, something to Saul, you. Right. Not Sal. Saul, oh, Saul. Like son. It, it's not. It's not better call. It's better call Saul. Not no, Sal. it's not better call Saul. It's soul like son. Like one soul. Oh, soul. Oh, okay. Soul. soul. I'm Native American, so I was named after sun. Ah, all right. I just soul. sent you soul. soul. I just sent you a, 
uh, uh, YouTube. I'm always, dude, I'm always taking this like Bible, like Bible studies. What's up, y'all? Yeah, so, there we go. You, Kenny Parker, got it. Got it, good. All right. Got you it, remember man. that. You remember that when you see it. Let me make sure I get, I just want to make sure I get um Cool Blue and um, Saul, I'm just going to invite you uh, to speak. Just, just put me in there for a little bit. Okay. I'll, I'll let everybody talk. Don't worry about it. Cool Blue, you're a speaker. You just have to unmute and... Hello, Sabrina. Hello to everybody. Hey, Cool Blue. Hi, cool Blue. Hi. I'm from Michigan and the Democrats... About Michigan did... State. Yeah. <laughs> Michigan, Michigan increased its uh, amount of Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, they were very successful here. Gretchen Whitmer was reelected in a landslide. Federal offices, you know, Democrats prevailed pretty much straight across. Um, I wanted to go ahead and let you know that there was this one ballot proposal that I liked a lot and it passed and I'll go ahead and read it. It was proposal one. It is a proposal to amend the state constitution to require annual public disclosure reports by legislators and other state officers and change state legislator term limit to 12 total years in legislator legislature. This proposed, proposed constitutional amendment would, and here's a summary, require member of legislature, governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, and attorney general file annual public financial disclosure reports after the year 2023. This include assets, liabilities, income sources, future employment agreements, gifts, travel reimbursements, and positions held in organizations except for religious, social, and political organizations. Two more things. Require legislature implement but not limit or restrict reporting requirements. And then one more. Replace current term limits for state representatives and state senators with a 12-year total limit in any combination between House and Senate except a person elected to Senate in the year 2022 may be elected the number of times allowed when that, for, when that person became a candidate. Well, I'm one who is very much in support of term-limiting term people all across the board. We have it for the presidency. Yeah. I don't see why, I don't even think the U.S. Supreme Court should be a lifetime appointment. Cool, no, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a lifetime appointment. I've never agreed with that. I don't get it. Like, what other job do you have in the United States where it's like a lifetime appointment? <laughs> no one. No one. No one. No one. I'll tell you this one more thing, if you don't mind. Um, the Democrats were such a success here in Michigan that for the first time in 40 years, they flipped both the Michigan leg legislature, both the state house and the state Senate. We'll find out, us Michigan people, uh, just you know what we get from the Democrats. I wonder if they would actually, I don't know, I don't understand if they would have the power to reverse former governor affiliated with the Republican Party, Rick Snyder, and we know what, what he is. <sighs> when they pass right to work, I wonder if the Democrats here would reverse it. I'm oh, not can I, may I holding ask a my question? breath. What what is the right to work? 
I mean, do you have a right to work or do you just work because you want to make a living? Now, do you really not know what that is? <laughs> I really don't. I really don't get it. Like, I can explain. Yeah, I, every, not everyone. Um, yeah, cool okay. blue. Um, different states have different rules around like employment laws, so not yeah. everyone is in a right to work. Thank you. Here's what it is. It is basically against unions. Okay, that's what it really is. So it's, it was a, they took a step forward to make it harder to unionize here. And that's what it's been with state after state over the last couple of decades or so. And I think right to work, which is, I don't know if I call it an oxymoron, but it's been like in over, over half the states in this country. It's an oxymoron, by the way, but it's an oxymoron. <laughs> it is. I could go a little bit. It's just like, it's like, like, it's, it's also like, like, uh, those of us that live in employment at will states, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like weird things like that, that they say, like, even in Massachusetts, they're like, you understand by working for this institution, Massachusetts is an employment at will state. I'm like, the, what do you mean? Like, basically say we can remove you at any time without reason. Correct. So, yeah. Um, uh, so also, it's free riding. It's right to work. So let me give you an example before. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So do a little bit of union history, I guess. So before uh, you. Well, I'm New York and you're from New York. So, you know, the Teamsters, right? Yes. That's, that's what that's New York, man. We all did that shit. Oh, oh you work for the. For the Teamsters? I was an electrician. Oh. I, I was an electrician in New York. Yeah, before I became a graphic designer, before I went to college, I was an electrician to pay for my college. Mm -hmm. so, so I think it's I know possible. about Teamsters. <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. know what? If you want if you if you want to have your rights heard and you want to have, get that paycheck, get into a union. Get into a Teamster. Right. So Cool Blue, he did he didn't know because we're from a a heavy yeah, union. We're from New York, man. Oh, no. What I was thinking about was how right to work became so over the last couple of decades about how there was such a crackdown to be passing it state after state after state, and not just in one particular area of the country. Now so you see that? a lot of oh, people kind of understood in general that it was really a it was really a way to hit against people to have any for people who are among the working class to have any kind of their own power, so to speak, the history of unions in this country, me being in Michigan, this is where the three U S auto manufacturers, auto manufacturer. Yeah. You, the, you're the hardcore of America. Yeah. yeah Chrysler, the, the automotive General motors, Ford motor company. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. True. The, uh, the, the, uh, and I also, I also believe it has right to work also has something to do with free riding. So back in the day, back in 50, 60 years ago, whatever, 70 years ago, whatever the case is, you were automatically, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not that great on union history, but you were automatically inputted into a union and then you would have to pay dues, right? So then they use that against, like, if you didn't want to be in the union, 
then the union wouldn't represent you. Okay, so what they did, how they how they uh, jig how they jig the system up was was that they did it where you can be in a union, but like no, you don't have to be in in a union, but the union still has to represent you. You get to go around paying dues. Yes. So it's you're you're depleting their ability to fight right. by you know by, by where there's no where the union dues are down. So what type of resources is your labor lawyer going to have? Mm-hmm. One thing to mention to you, Roger. Um, like in the first half of the uh, 20th century, we had a stronger, substantially stronger percentage of people in the United States with jobs that had connection to being with a with a union of some kind. And in, within recent time, it's been reduced to less than 10 percent of people in, with employment here in the United States have any have a job connected with a union. So mm-hmm. over time, what's happened with jobs especially, you know, I'm in the Rust Belt, the industrial, a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff that eventually went away and all that people. kind of stuff. The the Rust Belt is the forgotten people. You, you got it. You know, that's, you know, that helps to explain Trump in 2016. Thank you very uh, much. And, uh, you know, so some of this was just how things change through, you know, with jobs over the last, say, half a century, maybe a little bit longer than that, gradually, gradually. And that made unions more vulnerable. I mean, their strength, the coalition of their strength. Now, you notice how you just, before you just said it was a takedown, the, 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 court, the, the corporate people, together with their um, henchmen, Republicans, figured that they could not win at the top, at the federal level. So they went state by state by state by state to dismantle yes. them. To, mm, to exactly. the point where now the federal government can't even protect you. And exactly. then you've got people that are wondering, why do you want to go state by state, Roger? Because it works. Because every state has their voice. And every state has the initiative to pro- project your voice up to the people that are up there trying to keep you down. So it, I, this is the question I wanted, to have, I wanted to ask Roger. Like not all the states of the United States are uh, initiative states. How do you mm-hmm. make them an initiative state? Well, I what I'm trying to do, I can only tell you what I'm trying to do. Yeah, okay. I just want to know like what what other people that so, don't have are are like Florida and New York and uh, Massachusetts and Illinois and all these people they have but, that well, initiative. York, yeah, go well, ahead. no, New York's New York's not a ballot initiative state. Oh, it's not, but they, we have a lot of voice though. We have we have we have a lot so, of um, unionization. Okay, so so here's what I'm want to try to do. I want to try to possibly. I'm talking with men, and he's he's likes a little bit knows a little bit more about the the the. Right on. Uh, the, I don't know. He he knows like stuff that I don't know about dealing with some of these state lawmakers and stuff like that. And I'm like, yo, I was saying, what about forming um, a couple of uh, uh, 501c3s? You know, I was just throwing ideas out there. Right. I said, you know, a New York. I said three things, a New York ballot initiative coalition, 
um, a New York public bank coalition and a New York um, worker cooperative coalition to educate people. Because first you got to educate people. Most people don't know what ballot. They, they're like, oh, okay. I didn't know until you told me. Right, I didn't right. know I had yeah. that power until you told me. Thank you so much. Yeah. So if I start, you know, like I start telling people, you know, because first we got to educate people. And then we have to, I'm looking at building um, uh, worker cooperatives because like the, the thing about the thing about the um, the unions in, in New York State, they're really looking. They're really looking out for themselves. You know what I'm saying? Because yes, it's kind of like 100%. a percent. It, it's a club. You feel what I'm saying? And it's you a ain't big in it. Club. But you're not gonna get got... shit. <laughs> yeah. Cool blue, cool blue. Shout out! Come on, get in there. Uh, um, um, no, I didn't want to interrupt. Yeah, yes. I, so, so, so. Let me just say this quick because I'm about to pick up a customer. Um. So if I figured if I got like um, we started some worker cooperatives and what I'm looking to do, because it's, it's going to be a long term strategy. Yes. I figured we have to first build and educate. OK, so uh, the coalition to, to educate, but then the money is what's needed. OK, so what I'm looking yes. to do is build co-op businesses in New York State Um sorry, start cooperatives, build cooperatives, proliferate cooperatives in New York State, and then start partnering with other cooperatives to form supply chains in what's yes. called a multi-stakeholder cooperative, yes. then box out and replace corporations, then take over the state government. Agreed. Because then we would be, so it's not that, it's not that the problem is not big money. It's the no. source of where that big money comes from, and it comes where does from the, where does the big where does the money come from from us? But uh, well, yeah, well, that's what I wanted to. Be. Uh, outside, right. aside from the corporations, where right. does the so, really real money comes from? Why do the people do oh, oh. Uh, the politicians yeah. do all these all these benefits and stuff? Right. Exactly. Let me just say it this because I'm about to pick, right, right. Let me just say this real quick because I'm about to because I'm not someone up. So, right, bro. It, it, so it's the source the the source of where it comes from, it doesn't represent our interest because it's coming from corporate, okay? So I yes. figured if we replace the corporations with the cooperatives, that is money that is more representative of the people because the people have say in the workplace. You see what I'm saying? So then we, the people, become the big money financing these elections. And then that's when I could use that to say, we want to be a ballot initiative state. And if you, if you ain't trying to hear that, because the, no, the, I hear the that. Um, yeah, then then we'll kick you out. The 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 um the sponsor. Oh shoot, the sponsor of the New York Fed in the Senate, he was vehemently against it. You know what yep. I mean? Because because yep. they, they don't want to share that. their yep. power. They don't want to share their power. You feel what I'm saying? If you want to yes. know, if, if you want to know, um, a real progressive, like. Then see how they react when you present them with, how about sharing some of your power with us? You know what I'm saying? And I came up to like four different lawmakers or people who wanted to run to lawmakers who are progressive. I brought that to them. They made up so many excuses. Oh, what about if, if the people bring back slavery? A whole bunch of crazy shit, right? But then the only person, that, yeah, I know. The only, the, the only person, the only one person the only one person 
um yeah. yes that's you how you doing the only one person that was curious about it that was running was kirsten gonzalez she's kirsten like gonzalez yeah she she's she's uh um socialist running uh well she, she I, actually i'm gonna put won. that in my head kirsten gonzalez yeah hey how you doing all right i'm going on mute getting the customer I remember, brother. Peace. Okay, cool. So I'm going to bring in Ashura. Can you unmute? You're a speaker. To let you know, I'm going to have to go. All right, cool. I'll bring in David as well. Take um, care, Ashura. everyone. Thank you so much, Saul. And Ashura, I love you. And massive love to Massachusetts. Thank God something happened for y'all. Thanks. Like I said, we still got a long way to go, but this is a it's, first It's a step. long road. It's a long road, baby. It's a long road. And we're right, fighting Ash for it. All right, Ashura, what's up? Uh, been dealing with a fucking troll for days that just won't stop commenting on me. I'm sorry. Uh, I ignore I ignore trolls. No, you guys really. are good. Like I see people arguing back and forth on Twitter. No, it, it, it's just the, the argument is just fucking ridiculous because um it was Kit's last video. It, you, you know the one with the thumbnail with the Trump one? And yeah. um and, and always Kit always says, look. It, don't vote Republican, don't vote Democrat, vote third party. And I wrote in the comment, I wrote in the comment under somebody's comment, and I just wrote, yeah, vote no other party, just vote third party. And some asshole basically came in, and we went on this ridiculous back and forth where he's twisting the facts, he's twisting my words. And then I'm like, bro, like, why, why are you using the whole thing? He's, they're using crime as the, the idea that I'm somehow pro-Republican, pro-Democrat, because I don't want to vote for any of them, because I want the police state. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? My comment is clear. Your comments are edited. Some of those accounts are fed. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, some of them are fed, some of them are ops. Like, it's kind of obvious, too, because they use the same language. Um and you'll check like their account, especially like on Twitter. This is a big one. You'll check their account, and like their Twitter account was started like this month. <laughs> I don't know if it's a Twitter account. They, ha they have YouTube. like one follower or zero followers, so like it's it's very obvious. Like, but I don't even argue with those people, man. Whatever. It's, it's just another way to like make people like feel guilty for not supporting the. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he's trying to make me feel guilty somehow because there's crime. I'm supposed to feel guilty. I'm not. I'm not the reason why there's crime. That's the politician. Those are the, the, politicians, the Democrats, and you want me to vote Democrat? And at one point, I gave her one final response. I don't live in the U.S. Why are you trying to make me feel guilty? Mm. That's another one bad. too. Like I think I've noticed that too on a lot of like the shows. There's this assumption that everybody in the chat is in the United States, and they're not. Like when I look at like my YouTube studio and I look at my analytics, I have a lot of viewers from, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I have a lot of viewers from Australia. Again, I don't know why, uh, UK. And so, yeah, there's, there's that assumption that like everybody that's there lives in the United States and that's not true. Um, but what, what's your take on the midterms, Ashura? And then I want to bring in David. <laughs> oh, this was a joke. Uh, I, I do think there was a red wave. I mean, it may not have been a big red wave, but it, it was a red wave. They fucking took the house. The Senate, however, ugh, I don't know how the fuck that's going to go. It's it's a fucking joke that you have, like, uh, Fetterman and uh, Warnock, 
who basically almost fucking lost two, well, he almost lost to two fucking jokes of a character. Like the Emmett Oz one, like he was the fucking worst candidate. You couldn't find a Republican candidate that was more polished to go after Fetterman. Yeah. And, yeah. and Dr. Oz, every time you fucking saw the guy, it's like he was doing a fucking commercial at a grocery. I know, that was kind of funny. <laughs> We all made fun of the grocery store commercials. I'm sorry. That was ridiculous. I was like, <laughs> I get what he was trying to say. The grocery store prices were expensive. I totally get that. And I feel that. But like the items that he was picking up, it was just random. He was like, if you want to, if you want to buy credit, I'm like, Oz, you realize like a lot of people that's watching the shit right now don't even know what that is. Like, why don't you just say, if you want to buy, like, vegetables or fruit or... No, he's like, if you want to buy, like, today. <laughs> like, like, what are you talking... Who are you talking to, man? Like, seriously. A hot mess. But I do want to say, Ashura, Warnock has not won. That election is going into a runoff. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. But I'm like, it's fucking stupid that you cannot right. beat right. Sean Walker. That you have to go to a runoff. Yep. And and the and the thing I saw in this is that there were a lot of third parties in this. Oh, they're definitely going to make sure that third parties can't go back on the ballot. Because a lot of these Democrats and Republicans that almost lost because a small portion of the votes were softened off by third party people. Oh, they're gonna they, they're gonna put them on their lock and key now. Because like, I'm sorry, but people were upset. The majority of Americans want a third party. And I think we saw that more so this time around for the midterms. Like, did you guys know there was an independent candidate? I didn't have enough time tonight, but there were so many other people I wanted to mention. Maybe I can mention tomorrow. Did you know there was an independent candidate that was running in uh, Utah? And it was just the independent and the Republican. There was no Democrat candidate. And the independent candidate had a good portion of the votes. And so I was just like, this is the way, you know, like the Mandalorian. This is the way. And the person win? I don't know yet. I'm still, I got to go back and check. I'm still waiting on some of those West Coast. Because if it's just them, I'm pretty sure they they, they should win because an an economic message wins better than a a one with the, you know, anti-woke shit. Because I I saw the thumbnail on RBN. It's like they tried to do an an anti-woke message and that shit didn't work everywhere. It's like it only works in, in, in Florida. In the state of Florida, that's where it works. But everywhere else, you should have gone something else. I'm just going to say the libertarian candidate in Georgia, Chase Oliver, he got over 80,000 votes. Like, that's huge. For a third-party candidate, that was actually huge. And Delilah, for those who don't know, I think Delilah got like 20,000 votes in Texas against uh, Beto and um, Abbott. And what that still means is like, no, Delilah didn't win. But what that says is that 20,000 people said, I'm not voting for Beto or Governor Abbott. 80,000 people in Georgia said, I'm not voting for Warnock or Walker. I'm voting for the Libertarian candidate. So I think from what I saw, I think he had the most votes as a third party candidate for this uh, midterm election. I will say though, poor, poor Beto O'Rourke. What's he gonna do now? I mean, that's like that's like two strikes. <laughs> Beto is married to what a millionaire. His wife is. They're millionaires. Like, 
Beto be fine. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Beto was a cosplaying politician. It's like, what am I going to do now? He jumps up on a table, stands up and says, I was born for this. I was ready for this. I'm like, if this man runs for another office, I'm going to scream. What else, like, could, he what else could he try for him to strike out? Huh? What else could he try to strike out? Because I want him to work for a third time and then just never come back. I don't know, but him and Stacey Abrams need to join a club somewhere, start a club, start an organization. I don't know. Like, it's it's just, although Stacey did better than he did. um, Oh, the Stacey one was fucking funny, though. I mean, (laughs) they're trying to blame black men. Yeah, (laughs) and you know what? It was hilarious because, like, I told people tonight, I was like, I'm going to show you the exit polls for Georgia. And according to the exit polls, it was actually white voters who didn't support Stacey Abrams. And some of them supported Warnock and did not support her. So like I said, people did not vote down ballot, which means there's something about her that turned them off. So but Stacey she wanted to blame black men. So she lives in the same state as Warnock? Yeah, they're both Georgia. Oh, what the fuck? So basically they don't, so they think she's like Hillary Clinton for them. I think that may be the impression that people get. Like, I did notice that she struggled with working class voters. I did notice that tonight. Um, most of her votes came from the professional managerial class. That's where most of her votes came from. Master's degrees, JD, you know, uh, PhDs. So here's here's the thing. If you're you're trying to get, you know, everybody like she said she was trying to do something happened there there was a disconnect that she had with working class voters in georgia and i think that's something that her and her campaign team they need to go back they need to do some uh self-reflection and figure out what it is that she did wrong this time around because the first time she ran against brian Klimp, it was actually very very close this time around not so much so she messed up somewhere I don't know. Uh, You know, call me crazy. But going on to all these different networks and doing interviews and saying that black men don't know how to understand uh, misinterpretation or misinformation of my campaign. That that probably wasn't helpful. And here's the thing. Black men still came out and supported her. But some of the white voters were probably like, "Eh." (laughs) I mean, she she made it look like as if black men were stupid, that they're they, yes. they, they get like caught on by like uh, fake news and bunch of shit. I'm like, really? You think that's mm-hmm. the problem, or maybe they don't like you? I mean, Stacey Abrams, the way I look at her, uh, she, she, it seems like she knows who basically is responsible for taking her, um, taking her, uh, her run. It's because white people didn't come up to support her. She ain't gonna call them racist. It's easy to go after black men and call them sexist, massaging war if you want. Right. I want to bring in David. What's your take on all of this? The midterm election uh, results. Well, specifically on the, the the Stacey Abrams point is that I really think where she is messed up is kind of like uh, you see um, Brianna Joy Gray talk about it, how she kind of pivoted from being this more revolutionary, more radical, we need major change, we need radical change candidate to being somebody who will, you know, toe the party line. And I think that is something that we take for granted. I think we, especially in her case, especially in the professional managerial class, they assume 
they assume that the system is working as they wanted to. And when I say that, I mean that they assume that the system is keeping people so beaten down, so tired, so exhausted that they don't have time to pay attention. But that is that that's that's a lie. Like people, even people who work 80 hours to pay bills, they are taking the time to try and listen to some of these candidates and understand, oh, you're not the person who's for me. You are here because you can uh, 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 innovate a certain base. But when she you know, doubles back and backs down from the, the whole where she was saying defund the police and then she would say, well, we need to fund the police harder. Like that is a sticking point. Sure, not everybody agrees specifically on how to reallocate funds from the police to what uh, to the other things that are needed. But to show that you are willing to flip flop that fast to what the Democratic Party is telling you you should do, that is where you lost your momentum because it showed that you didn't you weren't actually here for us. And I say us, and because I have family living in Georgia, I'm in Cali, but I have family living in Georgia. And it's like my one of my best friends from Georgia told me, he's like, yeah, a lot of the guys I'm talking to who's a black man are not feeling Stacey Abrams, mainly off of that, mainly off of that whole flip-flop on the defund the police point. Yeah, you can't do that to people. I, I think for people who are not aware, like the movement around George Floyd it was a sight to see. Like, I just, I, I have to say, not just in this country, but across the world, right? Everybody rising up in support of George Floyd. And it's just like, Stacy, you can't go against like police brutality only when it's popular. And then when you realize defund is not popular anymore, then you're like, okay, let me pivot back. Um, I support funding the police. Because then, like, especially Black people, we see your shift. We see what you're doing. You're trying to move in a way that you think is, is more popular because you think that is what is going to help you win. Apparently, that is not what helped her at all. That actually hurt her. That, the comments she made about Black men, it's not like she made comments about Black men once. I saw her do this on multiple shows. Her double down. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Do you know where you live? You live in Georgia. You know how many black men are there? So it's just like, when I pointed out tonight and I show people the data, look at the number of, of African-Americans that voted for uh, Warnock compared to those that voted for Stacey Abrams. And you can see that obviously, African-Americans came out in heavily in support of Stacey Abrams. People who did not support her were white voters. Some of them, however, with Warnock, he got more of the white vote. Stacey Abrams did not. And so again, I'm going to say this, and everybody who's listening, take notes and take this home to your friends and your fam. And I will say this. White people are not stupid. When they see a black person try to pivot their language or, or their words and move towards what they think is popular and throw their own people under the bus, they're on to that shit. They see you. They yeah, see so you. Warnock never did that. Too. Right. Warnock never did that. Listen, he had he had his debate. He had complaints. Did he ever throw black men or black women under the bus? No. 
How does defund the police go? Uh, the slogan goes over there, and and, and Stacy say state because if she's flip flopping back and forth, because I see a lot of them doing that. Well, as Nancy Pelosi would say, the Democratic Party is not moving in that direction. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, but that's exactly how she said it. She said, "All due respect to Cory Bush, but the Democratic Party is not moving in that direction." So if you're Stacey Abrams and you hear that message from Nancy Pelosi on CNN, you think, okay, I need to, sh to show that I'm going to fund the police. By the way, this did not work for her or for Val Demings. Val Demings, same thing. She basically was a cop anyway. She came out and said, well, I want to fund the police, fund the police. Val Demings lost to Marco Rubio. The fuck? Like, seriously. So... Now she has no seat because she had the house seat. Now she has no seat. Uh, Frost, actually, who just won, he got her seat. So there's that. So it's just like, listen, I'm going to say this again. I said it before. I'm saying it again. White people are not stupid. They can tell when a black person is just trying to throw black people under the bus because they think that's what white voters want to hear. And that shit never works. Even Barack Obama got that shit right. Even Obama knew, hey, I'm going to campaign on hope and change. But not once, not once did you hear Barack Obama throw his own community under the bus when he was campaigning. Stacey Abrams fucked up. Well, Obama, Obama did. I mean, I think on the second term he did it after. Yeah, after but he, he, was, he was already in, in. At that point, he was already in. The first time when he was running, when you just trying to get in and you don't have a foot in the door yet, even he knew better than that. But like mm -hmm. Stacey Abrams, like she just is something about her. Like I watch her in interviews and like even when she's talking, I'm like, you're not talking to people. You're talking at them. Mm -hmm. And and I get it. And I understand that like she's highly educated. Totally get it. Totally get it. But I, I, I think what's going at on the same but at the same time, it's like, we're both highly educated, but Stacey Abrams doesn't know how to talk to people. She knows how to talk at people. And that's something that she's going to have to work on and fix if she wants to continue her career in politics. Um, it seems like she does want to try to continue that, but she's going to have to work on that. Listen, why do so many people like Barack Obama and Bill Clinton? Because they know how to talk to people, not at people. They were charismatic. Stacy is not charismatic. <laughs> I think after the I, I think after the Trump uh, election, I think the, the message was to basically trash black men because they're the reason why Hillary didn't get the office. And it's been downhill ever since. I I see that's the talking point now. Black men are the problem, and they're trying. Well, to you have to remember that black people typically will always be scapegoated if they can be. If you can insert a black demographic into a scapegoat position in American politics, typically you will, because the, uh, the conversation was also that black women didn't like uh, Hillary Clinton. And it seemed kind of odd that you would expect 
the black community to come out for Hillary Clinton when, you know, just a few decades before they were calling us super predators, you know what I'm saying? So anytime they could be demonized and the same thing can be said of of young people. I mean, we're seeing that right now. It's exploding on Twitter right now, talking about this, this, this judge who's put an injunction on the student debt relief and everybody's like, well, we kind of said he shouldn't do this through the heroes act, but here we are. Because, yeah, that's because that's the point well, I found weird. Because why, why are black women easily basically caught in this BS by telling them to hate black men, it, it, even though it, it goes, it, it, it comes back to Hillary, because they wanted that glass ceiling to be broken and they wanted to cap, they wanted to have it through Hillary. Come on, Harris. Eh, I don't know about her. I'm pretty sure that there's gonna be people defending her if she ever gets to the office, and, and you'll probably. Uh, You'll probably wonder what Kamala is going to be well, doing there. Well, can I just say, I, I will say this as well. Someone sent a super chat tonight talking about the the federal judge. So I was actually live streaming when I found out about that. So I was like, oh, shit. Um, so I'll probably be talking about that tomorrow. Um, but one of the things I will say is that when we talk about, like, representation I'm the first to tell you, I think diversity is important, but at the same time, to quote Cornel West, sometimes you just end up with black faces in high places and they don't really actually do anything for, for the community. And I think that's what we have with Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what we have with like Kamala Harris. Like, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times they, they get there, but they don't actually help like the community. And I think, with someone like Stacey Abrams, I just think that she needs to do some self-reflection. I think she tried too hard to cater towards the white community in the sense that, and what I mean by that is, let me throw black men under the bus. They're not out here supporting me like they're supporting Warnock. As we saw from the exit polls, that wasn't true. And I don't know. I mean, I applaud like black guys in Georgia who did still come out and support her after she made those remarks, you know, because I would be honest with you, you know, if it was me, I've been feeling some kind of way. <laughs> you could say those black, those black dudes are, you know, they're pro-Democrat, but I mean, they, they gotta, they gotta take one for the team, but the others are like, bitch, you insult me. You think I'm going to go out coming for you? No, sorry. Bye. Drown. And I all did. And, you know, there were some, I did look at the numbers between like, African-Americans that supported Walker. And I'm going to be honest with you, you know, on one of those polls, like Walker got 12% of the African-American vote. And so people need to stop looking at like black people as a monolith and thinking like, oh, all black people are Democrats. All black people are not Democrats. And there are black Republicans and there are black independents. I'm an independent and sometimes black independents may end up voting Republican, not me, but I'm just saying it it does happen. And people look at their economic situation. What was really disappointing from those exit polls is that once again, the working class were not the ones heavily represented. And I noticed that in all the polls, like most of the people who are coming out to vote are the PMCs or are people that have a college degree. And what's concerning to me is that it's very clear that the Democratic Party no longer represents the working class. And I think that kind of started going back to Obama because Bill Clinton was like really good about one thing I'll give him credit for. He was pretty good about let's raise the minimum wage. Let's uh, 
let's talk to people who work in class. Like that was something he would do. Like he would actually go to communities and sit down with people at like restaurants and talk to working class people. Then we got Barack Obama and like the Democratic Party became the party of Wall Street and everything changed. So I think that I think you're making a very salient point there. And I think that's why Stacey Abrams and candidates like her, even even Warnock, are struggling with the black community, because it's this assumption that 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 black men in particular are not politically awake yet or not politically paying attention. And they it's like they don't know that. Poverty is causing most of the problems that we see. You, you talk about crime, you talk about health care, you talk about, you know, terrible uh, eco- economic uh, uh, policies. If, if you are talking about the issues with these people and saying, hey, look, I understand you can't pay your bills because so many rich people are manipulating the system to your death, to your deficit. And I'm going and here's how I'm going to fix that with anti-corruption, with 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 more uh, community based uh, um, funding. If you're not having that conversation daily with these people and and making sure that that is your platform, regardless of what the Democratic Party says, regardless of what the Republican Party says, then of course you're not going to get buy-in from these working class people. Even even people in the the, the professional managerial class understand that those are the talking points that people want to hear. Let's bring in, that's a very good point, David. Uh, Case, you've been quiet for a bit. <laughs> Case is probably like, look, I'm sitting out of this one. I'm pretty sure you're asleep. Take on this too, um, Case and and Roger, um, because like this is a good point here. Like I I don't like um, I don't like I don't like people like, <laughs> estimating like black like men. I I don't like it. Like it makes me feel some kind of way. I was talking and I was on mute. Um, oh, okay, Case. And help that stuff. So I'll just basically just uh listening to you guys but last thing here you so do you have your question sabrina I'm, i apologize what's your take on this about the comments stacy abrams made about black men okay oh you can't oh can you can you hear me roger yeah i can hear you yes okay you can you hear me now case oh hello hello can you hear yeah. me now Oh, no, I can't hear. I apologize. I think I had you muted. Oh, my God. What's the question you have for me? Oh, my goodness. I'm so messed up. What's your comment on Stacey Abrams' comment about black men not supporting her when the exit polls uh, show yeah. that wasn't the Well, she's gaslighting everybody with that statement, you know, and she also blamed a lot of people are blaming Killer Mike for all the black men oh, in Atlanta yeah. when they were trying, she was, he was trying to warn her before it happened. He said, Hey, look, you got this other guy. Um, who was the other person that ran that one? Kent, Kemp or something like Kemp was out there. He was actually, and I heard this also from Rashad Ritchie. He was there on, I saw, I switched over. I saw some of TYT's coverage and he, he's in Atlanta. He said that Kemp actually came to a black event that was uh, formed by uh, him and other black leaders. And even though he went into hostile territory and he got booed, he he said, hey, you know what? I give him credit for showing up. And it's like how you, Sabrina, you know how you talk, we talk about Ro Khan all the time. We don't like what he says. A lot of the things that he says, you know, we don't agree with, but at least he shows up. <laughs> he goes from CNN to Fox Business to Fox News to Sabby Sab Show. 
and at least he's he's representing his himself and his opinion, and we don't have to go protest him. I don't see anybody protesting Ro Khanna. Why? Because he goes on all these shows and he actually uh, answers the questions. Right. So that's my opinion. <laughs> it's kind of hard to protest against Ro Khanna when he actually shows up to. <laughs> <laughs> He actually goes exactly. up to ask the question. He's like, <laughs> he actually... oh, you have a question? Let me answer your question. <laughs> you think the, the election yeah. for Stacey was legit this time with Kemp as governor? Because she, she doesn't have to use the whole, oh, she cheated again this time. Um, yeah, I think, I think that definitely um, he she got blown out this time, so it's not even the option yeah. to say, "Oh, he got cheated," and and she's a Democrat, so for the most part, their default setting is to just accept the um, the results, even when you won, like Al Gore, when he actually won up Florida, but he just yep. gave up too soon, you know. So he, well, he had to give in to, especially with the narrative that uh, Trump was out there. Uh, before saying that, oh, it's a fake election, she don't want to be put in Trump's category, so she had to accept this. It's just the question is who's next? You know, I think I don't know if Kim. Does anybody know if uh, Atlanta has a, a limit on governorship, like only two terms? I'm not sure. And uh, my final question is the new squad. Like I thought, the squad was like 14 when it when it uh, expanded after in 2020, and now they're saying they're like what 12, 14 now. I thought they was they were more. No, they, 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 they were, they weren't, um, fourteen after 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they just uh, adopted people that were already there. Like, right. Rokana what people have to understand is that the block is like maybe yeah. like 10 of them, 10, 12. Well, they, they still had, they still had a block. Um, but what people have to understand is that Rokana and Pramila Jayapal were originally not a part of Justice Gen- Democrats. They were yeah. a part of brand new Congress and yeah. then brand new Congress kind of merged with Justice Democrats and then that's how they became a part of it. But originally they weren't. But yeah, they, they've I'm always had Yeah, they've always had like enough members there since 2020 at least to form a block and and hold up legislation or push legislation straight through. They just chose not to do it. Um but that being said, like what's really scary to me is the fact that the new progressives who got through it, it hurts my heart that in order for them to get through, they had to backtrack their statements about like Palestinians and Israelis should be like mm-hmm. protected. Like we need to look out for both of them. Summer Lee had to backtrack her statements. Uh, Frost mm-hmm. did the same thing. Yeah. Now they're both saying they're against BDS. It's really sad and I don't like it. And I feel like this is what I was afraid of. They're moving further to the right in order to get in instead of them pushing the corporate Democrats further to From what I understand, Ryan Grimm uh, even explained it was even worse for Frost because I think, I, I believe he took like crypto money or something like that. And and I got to clip it. I, I, I saw him, he was on um, that YouTube channel that he does with Crystal Sigar and he explained it really well how um the, the metamorphosis, metamorphosis, metamorphosis of Frost, Frost from when he was an activist, when he got in office, he was uh, for Palestinian rights, and then he changed over, and then I think he got crypto money. I don't quote me on that. I'm I, I'm actually going to clip that out and put that out tonight, um, because I I thought that that's uh, something, and I don't know. See for change if you're still in the um audience. That's something that I'm going to clip and put in our document we're working on. 
the how a workshop of how politicians change over time, like once they get in the office. And I think this he would be a good case study for somebody who didn't even enter office yet, and he's already changing. Like <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But that that sounds a lot like what I was talking about when I said to um these guys over here who were running for um to be state lawmakers. And I'm like, yo, you're going to be down to uh, to to put forth an amendment so that we can be a ballot initiative state? And they were like, uh, blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, you ain't even in office yet, and you're already backtracking on this. You know what I mean? And these are people who, like, I, you know, who, who I was friends with. And when I, you know, oh, my bad. I mean, I was going to say, and, I'll, and I'll, I just want to say really quick, and I'll bring in bad cookies as well. I just want to say it's really sad, though, that now it's like if you don't support the state of Israel and not the people, I want to be very clear, but the state of Israel, mm. if you don't support Zionism, if you don't throw Palestinian people under the bus, if you basically like you pretty much got to be against reparations for African-Americans, let's just be real. Because there's a whole reparations movement going around. There was a reparations rally in D.C., which thousands of people came out to. Those ideologies are no longer accepted as part of the progressive movement. And that is really sad to me because, like I said before, like you cannot continue to throw black people and black issues or Palestinians under the bus just so you can get this candidate in. It's not right. It's not fair. And I really felt like with the progressive movement, I was like, yay, this is a movement where our rights and our needs are going to be heard and are going to be met. And all throughout the years, I've just seen them push our issues to the bottom of the list or take them off the list and say, no, we can't do reparations. No, we can't do defund the police. It's not popular. Anything that is solely related to the black community or other marginalized groups is not accepted. And to me, that is not progressive, that is not leftist, that is going along with the status quo, and that is something that liberals already do. So we have a problem because now it's just like, once again, the progressives are treating black people the same way the liberals already did with that covert racism. You know, I talked about this the other day on Twitter where actually Case, me and Lucy were talking about it. Lucy lives in AOC's district. And she's been very vocal about like how AOC has been kind of throwing certain minority groups under the bus in her district that she only looks out for her people. And that's not fair because it's like, look, like we supposed to all be on this, this, this train together. And if you're only going to look out for your people, and I said the same thing about Bernie Sanders when I did that whole case study on Bernie Sanders the other day, same thing. Bernie Sanders approved reparations for his people, but he said he did not approve reparations for African-Americans. And that is a problem. And it's really upsetting to me that we're just supposed to just go along with it because that's what's best for white progressives. But whenever it comes down to what's best for black people, black people are part of like progressive movement, leftist, socialist, whatever, our issues are thrown under the bus. And it's not fair and it's not right. And something needs to change with that. Where are the candidates uh, from Justice Democrats? Where are they from? No, where, where are they from Justice Democrats? Uh, I know Summer Lee was, at least. I don't know about the other ones. Okay, because it seems to me like uh, 
anybody who claims they're going to fight for you uh, going into the Democratic Party, if they're going to be, they're going to have to, if, if you see them basically change the, change a po- uh, something that they basically they, they said they were going to rent on, they take it out. No, they're, they're, they're going to sell out the day the day they put their foot in Congress. Well, but but to Case's point, uh, Frost is already doing that now. Like was already doing that. Like before he won, I know JB had talked about this earlier too, because JB was the one that told me about him. He was like, this guy like totally backtracked, and now is against the Palestinians, and said, yeah, I go along with Israel. You know, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, what about the rest of us? It's it's not cool, and I just feel like we're just doing the same thing that the corporate Democratic Party already <laughs> does. The way they treat black people. Just like Joe Biden said on that call with the civil rights leaders, not now. We can't we can't do y'all now. We can't do your issues now. Nope, not gonna happen. Nope, nope, nope. We're always put to the bottom of the line. And it's it's not fair. And I'm just asking, like, when is enough gonna be enough? Like, when are black people gonna stand up and say, no, you guys are, from now on, you're gonna put us to the front of the line. You're gonna put us at the top of your list. You are not gonna do this to us anymore. And David, I want to go ahead and bring you in. I was just going to say that, you know, <laughs> listening to that last part really makes me understand why my brother focused more so on on Malcolm X's teachings about how we as a people kind of really not to not to be jingoistic, not to be exclusionary, but we as a black people, as, as a black politic, we really have to kind of be to ourselves for a moment just to figure out who we are and who we want to be. Because it seems like that is what's going to always happen. That seems to be the consistent uh, uh, process in American politics, that whatever is going to support or benefit black people as a whole, like primarily to focus on them, that is always what's on the chopping block to, to put to the back of the line, to, to wait. To mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's like, and how do you, how do you, we as a people overcome that if not by trying to come together? And, and part of it has to do with the fact that we're so spread out. Like my, my family's in Mississippi. I'm in California. Some of my family's in Washington. It's, it's, it's like, it, it's insane to me to think about how we overcome that, which I, I, I'm all for community organizing and things of that nature and being in, in black communities and work working together and trying to get more on the same page. But even that seems like a losing battle because it seems like everything we do, where you gain ground on one front, you lose ground on another. So that's kind of where my question comes from. Like, how do we, how do we stop politicians from giving into this type of corruption? And when we're even at the community level, like if you're, if you're talking about doing a public bank, you're talking about doing a community fund, how is it that we, we write legislation, we write laws, rules, regulations, so that people are dissuaded or disabused from the type of corruption that sells out your own people. So I can answer something on the public banking part. So um, one, in order to make sure that a public bank operates in the interest of, of the public interest. Um, so the, the public banking bill that we have in New York for the state um, I spoke to the uh, the lawmaker who's the co-sponsor of that and his legislative director. Um, and I said, listen, you have the majority on here. So it's, it's an 11 panel advisory board. Okay. And out of the 11, you got on there six people that have a background, six plus people who have a background in um, 
in in like financing and so on and so forth and only two representing the community i told him he should flip that around and have people on there that represents different you know aspects from our community from that community you know to rep to keep the bank honest and keep it serving the public interest and here's the thing a public bank acts as an insurer to community banks whether you know so let's let's talk uh black um like black owned community banks black owned credit unions okay so the wealth comes from the banks so so let's say now you're encouraged so they encourage a public bank would encourage you to bank not with the public bank because that's a government bank it insures community banks and credit unions so think of uh local community banks owned by the community uh, black owned community banks so now you're encouraged to bank black and now you're less likely to get turned down or treated unfairly when it comes to mortgages to build wealth or get charged higher interest rates for a student loan or for a small business loan so and, and i guess an auto loan right so just dealing with the mortgage part to build wealth and the what do you call the thing when i just said the um the, the small business loan to, to to build wealth right so so that's that's one way that that can um and encourage it and have the public bank encourage worker-owned cooperatives so you you have worker-owned cooperatives in our community um you know for us by us you know shout out to fubu you know what i mean and so on and so forth so so that's that's one way economically that it can benefit the uh the black lady so I, I don't know if that was a good enough answer for you but um you know that's that, 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 that points me in the right direction because my whole thing like right now is is trying to figure out more public health and, and public policy because i think the key is in in like you say having the like you said having the public bank encourage black nonprofits. like i think having the language in the policies and procedures even in just when you're writing your ballot admissions i think the language matters so much in how we Absolutely. get things through mm-hmm and then you could also think think about it like this: that public bank can um, think about like okay, so you so you combine it um, in a certain way of like I want to see a ballot initiative that makes um, where it that says hospitals, um, what's the other one? Nursing homes. Um, Medical facilities, clinics, dialysis centers cannot be profit driven. Okay. So they have to be in every community, whether it's whether it's done by nonprofit. And when I say nonprofit, I mean real nonprofit, not like, you know, shady nonprofit. Right. No, I'm and, with you on that. When I work for a nonprofit currently, <laughs> thank, and thank, you saying, right. thank you for saying I, that, uh, Roger. Because uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a couple of I saw a couple of you and JB's episodes about the pro, about the profit nonprofit profit, and <laughs> um, and and it has to be either municipalized or stationalized, right? So you got okay. So now, when it's not done for profit then you have to have a hospital in every community because now you don't have to worry about, oh, is it going to make money or not? If it's not, let's take it out that rural community. Let's take it out the, the black community, whatever, right? So you have the, you know, you got the, like the racism that goes on in, because it's, see, it's not just, hey, we got Medicare for all. Okay, but 
we don't we're not in control of any of these hospitals or we we don't own any of these hospitals so you're going to where you're not really going to there was some type of statistics about uh, statistics about black women are left to bleed out on an operating table or so something like that where black women are not really treated when they go to these hospitals you know like they get some type of racial discrimination i i know it's something is like childbirth i've heard it ah okay yeah but I thought it was something else to it. But yeah, it's it's that stuff, right? So you get these. So then you have this public bank undergird all of that. And you have like that thing that I just said, uh, uh, make outlaw them to be profit driven. So it either has to be owned by the the community um, or or the uh, or the thing or the state or government or whatever the case is. And then you and then now they're in our community. So it has to be staffed from people from our community who see our humanity. You, you see what I'm saying? So I, I don't know if that was a good enough answer for you or whatever the case is, but that's all I asked. I do just want to make sure um, I bring in a bag cookies is here and so is Brent. So bag cookies, you just have to unmute. Hey, Savvy, how are you doing tonight? Hey, bag cookies. Hey, um, just a real quick thing now that you're touching on the uh, Stacey Abrams things. Um, you made a comment during the show that I wanted to touch on because I, I couldn't come up with a reasonable answer myself, so I wanted your opinion. Uh, your statement was about how sh she's not reaching out to black women. She's not reaching black women through her messaging, and it seems to be a big problem across the DNC altogether. So I wanted to ask you, when you had made that statement, I couldn't think of anything to say, all right, if I if I were the politician, how would I reach black women? And I couldn't think of anything. And that was a little upsetting. So I wanted to ask you, uh, a black woman, how, how would one reach out to other black women? How does one reach out to you? Well, she's not reaching, I said working class. She She's not, and she's not. She's not reaching the working class people. I could tell that by her poll numbers. Um, but I'll answer both questions. Um, in order for her to reach the working class, number one, she has to be in community with working class people. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times, most PMCs are not. If you're not in community with working class people, you don't really know how to how to reach them, right? So she would need to be in community with them. That's one thing that would need to change. Number two, on how can someone reach like black women? So that's that's a big one. Um, if you're if you are or if you are black, it will be easier for you. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> it's gonna be easier for you. However, if you're not black, it may be more difficult for you. But I want to give you guys some cues and pointers so you don't make these mistakes. Um. If you're trying to reach like black women, here's what you should not do. Don't like when you see a black woman, don't come up to us and say stuff like, you're the first black person I've met. I don't know any black women. Nice to meet you. <laughs> don't do that. And I say this because people have done this. Like, like, don't do that. Um, that will just make us kind of run away. Like, we'll just look at you like, what the fuck? Like, you don't need to tell me that. 
<laughs> like, y'all need to come out and say that. Like, right? And don't touch a black woman's hair. That's the other thing. It's, it's... I was going to get to that. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll let you say get to that it. Too. That's right. That's another one. Like, I was going to say that, this... too. Yeah, like, don't, you know, don't take your hand and, like, try to run your fingers through our hair and pat our hair and stuff. Like, people have done this before, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not, a, we're not pets. Um, So, like, don't do that. <laughs> don't like don't come up to us like we're an experiment like that's the thing like you you can't you can't do that right you have to approach us the same way that you would approach like a white female so don't come to us and seek us out as some type of experiment or like hey this is new what am i trying to don't do that that's a big turnoff and you will lose people that way um, but also, don't come up to us and say, how do black women feel about this? Like, that should never be the first thing that you lead with. So if, if you find yourself having to try to think, what am I going to say to someone who's a black female? You're already on the wrong course. Just approach us the way you would any other female. <clears throat> And I, I think that's that's very important. However, please do not touch our hair. Do not do that. That's a big one that we really don't like. <laughs> rather, rather you have natural hair, whether you have weave, <laughs> wig, or whatever. And like I have natural hair. I don't, you know, but I don't like that. When people come up to me and they just like put their hands on me, like, what the fuck are you doing? What you looking for? <laughs> and I, I've never done that stupid shit. That's just out of that's out of order. That's out of order. Yeah. They come out real quick. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm amazed at how many times I've heard black women say that. Like, I mean, Solange had to write a song about that. Like, don't touch my hair. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Well, yeah. what's his name made a movie called Hair? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rock, right? yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Like, no. it, it just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I remember, like, when I was in school and, like, there was this girl, she was in my class and, um really sweet and my parents were military right so we went to school with everybody but like this girl like she was obsessed with my hair so she used to come into class and be like can i braid your hair and i don't know if you guys know this but like when i was growing up and case and roger like you guys probably know this shit but like mm -hmm. if your mom <laughs> did your hair and like your mom braided your hair nobody was supposed to take those braids out but your mom Absolutely. Mm -hmm. you, you was mm -hmm. in so much trouble if anybody messed with that hairstyle. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't go swimming. You can't run outside and sweat too much. And uh, she combed it that morning. Oh my Jesus. The worst whoopings I ever saw any of my cousins get were over hair. Uh, <laughs> Dude, you ain't lying. When I was in elementary, I remember seeing this girl's braids were coming loose and she was crying. I didn't understand. Like, why are you flipping the fuck out like that? Now it makes sense as a, I'm older now. I get it. Like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, moms don't but, uh, like that. Like, to get your hair done. moms don't it's like that. To put to get it, do it. Sorry. No, moms <laughs> don't like that. Like when I was a camp counselor, there was like every week we got a different group of girls that would come into camp, and it was Girl Scout camp. And so one of the girls, she went up to the other girl, and she was like, "We were doing a makeover night." So Girl Scouts is different than Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts get you guys get like real cool badges and shit. You get to go like white, like water rafting and stuff. Girl Scouts badges were like dance, cooking, and stuff like that. And so 
we 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 come in and like we were doing like a, a a makeover night and it was fun. Everybody was having fun. I saw one of the camp counselors go up to one of the black girls and I saw her taking her braids out and I walked over and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she was like, I'm just going to do it. I was like, uh-uh. And I looked at the, I looked at the, the girl and I said, did your mom say you could, you could take these braids out? And she was like, no. And I looked at the camp counselor and I said, don't take those braids out of her hair. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause Cause she wasn't coming up to that to that camp. No, no. I said she didn't stand. She was like, "I don't see what the big deal is." I was like, "You will if you meet her mom." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I will feel that you take it out of her hair right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I, I will, I, I will say that. Um, my mother didn't braid my sister's hair, but she used that hot straightening comb. And that thing stunk. I had to walk, walk out the room. It was like just a regular. I mean, I'm going back to like the, the 70s or whatever when I was a kid. But um, yeah, that I, I I remember my mom's using a straightening comb on my on my sister. Uh, you know, back back in the day there. The hot comb that you had to heat up on the stove. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Do people still use that whole that whole Madam C.J. Walker thing? <laughs> they don't use a stove anymore, but if you go into some salons, they actually have an apparatus to heat it up now. But yes, I actually do. I've seen um, some people still hot comb people's hair. It's kind of fallen out of style now since there's flat ironing and straightening with heat uh, has a lot of racial implications to it. So people do it a lot, a lot less now, especially since the, the natural hair movement has become more of the mainstay. Um, but one of the things to uh, answer the bad, bad cookies questions from earlier, um, I would say that if I were a candidate that was trying to connect with any particular demographic, well, one, ask yourself, what do you know, of, what do you or your campaign know about that demographic? And two, Hire them. Hire them on the campaign. Ask them. Go out to them. Talk to them. Even if you have to create an entire subdivision that is just designed for outreach to that community, you, you don't have to ask these really cringe questions of what can I do to help you. <laughs> Hire them, and they will put and, and bring them to the meeting, and they will say, "Well, this is what the people in my community are struggling with." By, by the way, Sabrina. I had two customers tonight that really liked you. They was just like one guy I took to to Greenwich um, from Manhattan. So he had a good long listen. He's like, you know, I'm a conservative, you know, but at first I was going to tell you to turn it off and put on some music. But as I kept listening to her talking, this was when you was doing the, doing the show with the, you know, the, the, Stacey Abrams, Ballot Initiatives, Warnock, and all that oh, stuff. Dear. He got he got real interested. He's like, I was like, yo, who who is that? Who is she? I was like, oh, yo, that's yo, check it out. Just savvy says so. So and then there was there, there was someone who got in the car before, um, and I was asking. Uh, they they were listening to you. It's like, oh wow, this this is pretty good also. And, but they was you was playing the clip from. The view. Were you the one playing the clip from the view? You played a clip from the view today, right? Yeah, and and uh, I think it was. Um, no, 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 no. My bad. You played a clip from MSNBC or something. That would be me. Um, what's that? <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> and 
one of the women on there who used to work on Rising, who used to be part of the Trump campaign, uh, Trump administration, who now was on The View, she heard the voice and was just like, oh, yeah, that's a girl from The View. I said, you watch The View? He's like, yeah, I said, you guys are too young to be watching The View. So you need to get onto this right here, Sabrina Salvati. You need to get on to Harlan's media. You need to. I said, you guys are in your twenties. Why are you? Why are you? Why are you guys acting like fifty-year-olds for? <laughs> I was just like, okay, yeah. So you know, I got you some customers. Just you know, wanted to uh, let you know. And you know, you, you got you got like a conservative interested when you was talking about ballot initiatives, and and I told him about party abolition, and he was just like, yeah, that's a good idea. We don't need parties, you know. So just want oh, to say that. That's awesome, Roger. Yeah. I uh-oh. I think we lost Case. He's back. Can you hear me? Oh, you are. I can hear you. Sorry. Now. All right. Yeah, I was curious about that because I was thinking of, like, when my dreamland, I've talked to you guys, everyone to hear about that already, is that to have a mutual aid van, right? So something that Roger's doing, but for free. I understand you got to pay the bills, but but um, somebody that's doing that for free and, like, almost like, say, and I hate to say it because mutual aid is more about it's no means testing and it's no qualification. You just help people, but to say, hey, you could I'll give you a ride wherever you're going, but you got to listen to this political education right here. <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder if, how people would take to that or, or something. But also, I was thinking, like, you know, when we we have different events, like the dream is we helping people, but we're building community. So also. You know, I, you might have a daughter that wants to go to dance class, but dance class is expensive If you, for those people out there that have, you know, daughters or whatever. But what if you have mutual aid dance classes where you have dance teachers that donate their time and, you know, they're doing mutual aid. So now they can accept any student and you have various events like piano lessons and drum lessons, all this mutual aid. But you're allowing people to learn for free so that they can reach their highest potential. But I was thinking it would be cool if we can have them have a practice of saying, okay, before we start this lesson, you have to listen. Here's a five-minute political education clip, and you can play RBN. You can play maybe Sabi. We'll talk for ten, five minutes or any clip that is – that would be like the political education part because oh, – from what I, the way I learned about politics is just, I didn't one day, you know, all of a sudden just dived into it. It's like over a little bit by bit, I gained uh, curiosity and interest from listening to different things. And I think if somebody can just listen to five minutes a day over a year, that's a lot of information they can take in. What do you, what do you all think? I think that's a really good idea, Case. I want to bring to. I, I don't want to forget about you. What's up? Hello. Hey, I know you've been waiting a while. What's up? So I've been uh, listening, and it just seems cl- it just seems clear to me that um, identity politics is really uh, strong in how people determine who to vote for. Like, um, like it's it just seems like people are just voting because. Either someone's Democrat or they're black mm. or they're um, another minority. They don't seem really educated in the issues. Like, they're more interested in like the identity politics. And I think 
in order to educate people, they're going to have to be exposed to or educated to the corruption of the political process. I mean, that's the only way um, we're going to get people to vote for issues that actually affect them. It, Ryan, I've just seen people are, are interested in voting for, in L.A., uh, a black mayor because she's black or she, because she's Democrat, not because um, they actually stand for the issues that affect them. So I just feel like it's going to be very difficult to get anything uh, that helps the American people pass until uh, the masses are educated about um, how both parties are corrupt and something needs to be done about that. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah. That probably depends on the age. True. Um, Oh, no, because I was at a rally in uh, on Monday, and um, a bunch of college students—they're—they're—they're they're, they're all brainwashed by the um, by the eloquence of the Democratic, like the like Barack Obama and Kamala Harris. They 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 speak so well, and they they present themselves as a certain way, and a lot of uh, college students want to be just like them. So they, for some reason, they subconsciously ignore the fact that these politicians are corrupt and not really helping the everyday person. That's just my opinion. I don't tell, know. Tell me about it. I went to, oh, Sabrina, check this out. Um, Hofstra University is like, I can walk to it. Okay. In case anyone doesn't know, uh, that's where they had like the last presidential debates, Obama, McCain, Obama, Mitt Romney, uh, and Hillary and Trump, whatever, right? So one time, Howard Dean was there. And this was when the first, this was in 2018, right? And, you know, he was talking about, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to try to get Stacey Abrams elected. And Wait, and wait, Howard on. Dean, did you say Howard Dean? Correct, correct. He was. Oh, my it. God, was, I forgot about that. I'm telling you, that guy resurfaced again on Twitter like a couple days ago. And I was like, holy shit, I forgot about this dude. Yeah. Remember when Dave Chappelle did a skit on him? Yes. But, um, Can you explain to people? Because not everybody may know who he is, Roger. Okay, well, he was the governor of Vermont. He was back in 20, back in 2004, he ran for the Democratic nomination. And um, he was... He was, you know, he was pretty Bernie-ish at the time. Um, and then for some reason, because he, he um, when he lost, I don't know, Iowa, something, one of them, one of them damn states, uh, he was like, we're going to go to South Dakota. We're going to go to all these states. And he let out this, this yell goat that went, ah, and for some reason, a whole bunch of liberals lost their mind. And it was just like, oh my God, he tanked It was himself. funny. He had a yeah. weird like yell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was so funny was when Dave Chappelle did a skit on that, which was the funniest thing. Ah! But um, <laughs> but anyway, right? He was um, I this is back. So back in 2018, he was he was speaking at the. This is he was speaking about something at the auditorium at Hofstra or whatever. I I walked up to him. I spoke to him. I forgot what it was about. But then there was this college, there was this young college student there, you know, she, she was a, she was a young sister. And, um, oh, in case, uh, 
Sister means black woman for all of you who, you know, don't know whatever the case is, right? So, you know, she, she was a young sister, whatever, and she was so enamored. Teeth, like you would have thought that she met, like, I don't know, some major hero or something. But that I mean, he was kind of, he was kind of to the left when he was governor. That was before he sold out to the Democrat Party. But, you know, so yeah, I know what you mean by that, Brett. That was pretty much the point that I was making about when you said the college some of these college kids was just like, oh my God, look. Yeah, you know, I want to so. make sure we bring in uh, Lance. You want to come in, Lance? You just have to unmute. And so I'll just make you a speaker since you already uh, spoke. Lance? Oh. Just have to hit that unmute button. Go ahead, comes on. Yeah, I just want to say that's why it's so important for us to just remake the landscape for news media. Because that yell was really a manufacturer, or the fallout of it was a manufacturer of the mainstream media, how they blew it up and made it seem like he was crazy. And, you know, from what I understand, I even heard that they enhanced the sound to make him sound even crazier than he actually was. Like, if you were in the room, it sounded normal. Like, he just sounded like he was just doing a regular thing. And they just blew him up. And they tried to do the same thing to Trump. You know, with all the various scandals, you know, I can't even name all the different things that he did wrong that they try to blow up into a scandal, but it seems to just make him stronger, you know, to grab him by the us, you know, all this different stuff. Like they tried to blow it up, but he was able to overcome all of that by his vibrato and he just didn't give a crap. But um, in actuality, we have to make RBN famous. We have to make Savvy Sabs famous. We gotta even, that's going to be part of the, um, the mutual aid also just as part of the political um, education structure is to really promote independent media and and media that is outside of the CNN and MSNBC and Fox News because that's where you're going to find more substance definitely. But Lance, I just want to speak on that really quickly. Um, you sure. mentioned about how independent independent media needs to be more prominent. We, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but Jimmy Dore was involved in some, uh, some, uh, what, some so-called progressive media called Jimmy Dore drama, where, uh, the Young Turks tried to use the Me Too movement to try to smear him. So basically, that's just a, a, a quick summary of it. So basically, we have progressive media infighting with each other, and I feel like, uh, people try to, like, brush it off, but I feel that that's really concerning because if progressive, if so-called progressives, progressives are fighting within each other, then how are they supposed to uh, send out the message, their message out when they're fighting with each other and when they're trying to tear each other down? Like, my that's personal, just a huge problem. My personal opinion on that is you're always going to have disagreements. So there's always right. going to be drama or whatever because there's disagreements. My only issue is then the next thing is, therefore, I can't work with you, or therefore, you're, I have a disagreement with you, therefore, you're canceled. You can never come on my show. I can never go on. That's where my problem comes in. Like, I'm sure you talk to anybody long enough, you're going to find something that you disagree with. Guarantee, if I talk to Roger for a week and we go on camping trip, there's going to be something I disagree with him on. So does that mean, Roger, I'm not going to um, collaborate with you anymore on ballot initiatives? No. I mean, we're, we're not children. That's where it seems so juvenile that people, they have drama, therefore they don't work. Like, I, I just don't get it. 
Right. And that's part of what brings people to that to that to that uh, to that subspace. Like, don't get me wrong, Trump was terrible, terrible for our country ultimately. However, a lot the fact his spectacle, let me put it that way, his spectacle is actually what activated a lot of people, a lot of the voter base, and got them so into actually coming to their own politics and finding out what their values are. So it really is a very important thing that you have people like Sandy and people like Brianna Joy Gray, even people, I mean, not to say that Jimmy Dore is a bad actor, but the community that he cultivates, they're very interested in the ideas that he wants to talk about. That doesn't make him not a leftist because some of the things that they talk about can be inflammatory. Some of that inflammation, some of that inflammatory stuff is why people watch. So we just have to do, we have to, some of the, 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 the onus is on the individual and deciding what type of discourse they want to partake in. But then some of it is about the community that you cultivate. So, I mean, it, it, it is a good point to, to make out, but it's not like we're all gonna exist harmoniously on the left. Brent, Brent. Yes? Where do you live? Hello? Where do you live? I live in uh, Southern California. Bro, you live in a Balanician state. Later for these people on YouTube. Boom. You, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I said this before. Stop elevating people on YouTube. No offense, Abby. I'm just saying. <laughs> stop stop elevating people because because subconsciously, you may not think you're doing it, but subconsciously, you're looking at people at YouTube as leaders. You see what I'm saying? No, you flip that around and you get a coalition going in your state to be the leader and the two people will follow you. That's how this is supposed to work. Because yeah, as you're looking at people on YouTube going, oh, they're fighting with this and fighting that. Once you get busy doing your thing, trying to get that ballot initiative going, because like Colorado, California can, can pass laws, repeal laws, and amend their constitution by going directly around the state government to put initiatives on the ballot using the ballot initiative and veto referendum process. Most people don't know who the, you know, uh, these people on YouTube are. You just come up to them and you start talking to them about, hey, yo, you want to you wanna get this, want to get a ballot initiative going to get us, you know, CalCare or, uh, you know, um, um, a, public, a state public bank. You guys already passed a, um, a public banking bill into law that allows municipalities to start their own public bank. But guess what? That was passed by the government because they were forced into it when they saw that ballot initiative coming up the pike, okay? So politicians have egos. They don't want, they want to get the credit for that because when the, whatever public banking coalition that was going on in California was just like, hey, can you pass this please? Ah, we don't want to pass it. Can you pass it please? No, I don't want to pass it. Okay, then fuck you then. We're going to do it ourselves. And once they saw that it was gaining momentum, they was like, oh shoot, Gavin Newsom was just like, oh, let's get ahead of this. Oh, look, we passed a public banking bill into law. You guys can now start your own public bank. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is stop elevating people on, on YouTube to, as if they're your leaders. You might not think you're doing it um, consciously, but just from the way you phrased your question, it sounds like you are. You see, what I'm, I'm not. Yeah, look, I, I know this stuff. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I will oh, say, yeah. Um, I, I will say, uh, Roger has a point here, and I think one thing to point out, which, um, you know, sometimes we can forget. I think that when a lot of us started watching uh, independent media, 
or at least the past couple of years, right? Left independent media. At that time, there were, you know, campaigns attached to it. It was the Bernie campaigns, right? That got a lot of momentum, right? So yeah, a lot of us did look to them as leaders because it was the Bernie Sanders campaign, whether it was 2016 campaign or 2020 campaign. So they were the ones who were elevating that voice. They were the ones elevating that campaign and mainstream media wasn't and Bernie was running on those progressive issues. But I think what people may be confusing now is the fact that those of us that are part of RBN, what you have to remember is that we were active first and then we became podcasters. The people that you followed before us, for the most part, not all of them, because people like Nico and Fiorella and Pasta and them, they were already activists. They were doing on the ground shit for like a while. They just weren't getting the attention they should have gotten from, from my experience. But what you have to understand is that we were activists first and then we became podcasters. So when we tell people, hey guys, do mutual aid, this is what Rome is doing for Tour for the Poor, this is what we're doing, da da da, we already were doing that before we became podcasters. The legacy left media was not, they were not activists. Kyle Kalinsky, Crystal Ball, Sauger, TYT, uh, Humanist Report, David Dole. They were not activists first. That's the difference. So we followed them because they were leading us through a campaign. For the most of us, they were leading us through a campaign that had those progressive policies. When the campaign died, we were kind of looking around as like, okay, what are they going to tell us to do next? And that for me is when I saw that they really did not have another plan. Like their whole thing was just, just vote for people, just vote for these progressives and put them into DC. That is their plan. And if that is their plan, like that's fine. Like if that's what they wanna do. But for those of us who were activists first, we know that that cannot be the end all be all. You have to have the work on the ground. Uh So to Roger's point, if you're looking for YouTubers to lead you and guide you and tell you what to do, and you came from that legacy left media where they were telling us to do that, you have to remember they were telling us what to do in reference to a campaign. They're not the best at telling you what to do when it comes to issues outside of that. They're not the best at telling you what to do when it comes to activism on the ground. They're not activists. They're not the best to do to tell you like when it comes to doing mutual aid, they don't do mutual aid. They probably don't, some of them don't even know what that really means. So like, that's the difference. So I think what's happening is some people may be looking at RBN and like, oh, well, RBN's doing all this da-da-da-da on the ground. So why isn't everybody else? You have you have to know how to separate the two. There's activists and then there's just podcasters. And that's the difference between the two. And they're not saying that they are activists. They're not trying to say they are. But I think you have to ask yourself, what are you trying to get involved with? Are you trying to do work on the ground or are you trying to do work through a campaign? If you're trying to do things through a campaign, through a national campaign, then yes, those are the people that will probably be your best advice. But if you're trying to do something in your community, whether it's through on the ground action or local politics or ballot initiatives, 
then we would be the ones to go to. And I think that's the difference. There's no blending among the two. There's no, there's no connection. And I don't think that's on, 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 on our part. Like we've reached out to all of those people, but there's, there's no connection uh, between, between the two. And that's why our movement is not as big as it could be because you Uh do have that separation. And what people have to understand is you need to have a blending of the two, but because there's egos involved, some people have Mm -hmm. personality conflicts, some people had their Mm -hmm. feelings hurt, and some people Mm -hmm. are just mad as fuck. Mm -hmm. And some people don't know, some people, and I'll be real, some people don't know how how to respond to the way that Rome may communicate with them. Mm-hmm. I do. You see what I'm saying? Some people don't know how to respond to the way that uh, CJ may communicate with them. I do. So when someone like David Sirota gets criticized by someone like CJ, David Sirota may shut down. He may not know how to deal with that because he don't know people like CJ. But then that leads to a broader question. What is the progressive movement really? Because if the progressive movement is just a diverse group of, 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 of racially, racially diverse group of people that caters to an academic elite class, is it really progressive if it doesn't have working class people part of that movement? Or are you only using working class people when you need them to go do the work on the ground and help you these candidates get elected? That's the problem. There's no coherence there. There's no collaboration. There's too much separation. And that's why the left in this country isn't as big as it could be. Yeah, because while while there, while whatever is happening between YouTube hosts, whatever fights or however you want to call it, however you want to phrase it, is happening but, but between between them, uh, you gotta figure out what you're gonna do. Okay. I look up, it's like, um, you know, those, uh, those cats, those, those lionesses, right? They, they're hunting in the small grass and in the, in the tall grass every once in a while. I'll, you know, I'll like them. I'll look up above, above the grass. I see what's going on. I, I might see some, some, some type of beef or whatever the case is going on between you two posts. I'll go, oh, okay, that's nice. Back to business. And I put I put my head back below the uh, the grass and I keep it moving. Uh, hello? I, oh, I'm still here. This, is that this me? Is Soul. Hey, Soul. Oh. oh okay. Yeah, I wanted to chime in on one, one little last thing. Uh, I'm Native American. I come from the islands. I'm pretty sure most of you come from the islands. And uh, I don't... I don't see my people being represented or spoken of because we see you playing on our land as yours. And we understand that. We get it. We understand why we lost. We lost the war. We lost the war with the the colonizers and we accept our brothers and sisters from Africa. But the only thing I see different from the brothers and sisters in Africa and the native uh, and the uh, African Americans that live here on this country, on this continent, they don't understand the love that is being African. It's inclusive. It's an inclusive culture, and we're not that. We're not that here. 
and AOCs and the Marco Rubios from Cuba, they don't represent me. They're not native. They're like white. They're like Spanish white to me. They're the colonizers to me. Wow. So, so I don't. Change. I don't say that again. I was talking about another group uh, about the indigenous, about the native, about the Iroquois, and about how the clan mothers, and because it was the women that is the superior culture yes. in many ways to yes. Western culture, and how the entire legislature, legislature of America was based on the Iroquois system, and the fact that the women. clan mothers that to this day the most sovereign. Yes, women were uh, the legislators. Yeah. It wasn't the chieftains. It wasn't the man. It was the women that made the last decision. And the chieftains listens to the women. And we lost that. We lost that along the way. I don't know what happened to us. I, I, um, I'm just one small part of the indigenous culture that was erased from our history. Because I'm Tino, Taino Arawak. I, I can't even trace my language back to the original language anymore. So mm -hmm. to me, to hear you speak about your, 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 your rights, and I'm like, oh, I wish I had a continent to go back to, to, to re recall my culture, to hear my language again. I don't have that. So to hear people fight over, over the rights that you have, I'm so glad right now that black people are getting their voices heard. My people are not getting heard. So I I, I, I feel I feel like um I wanna be sad, but I'm overjoyed because you your culture and my culture are the same. We were we were raped from our nature, from our culture. We were destroyed. We were taken away from our culture. So I feel so happy that at least you have a voice. And I learned something from case study and from and and from my brother Roger. I have to start my own shit. I have to bring in my own red brown people into this conversation because RBN has their voice. My people doesn't. Mm. Say, um, so I don't know if you listen to Decolonized Buffalo podcast, but we've had them on RBN multiple times. I, I never um, heard of them, by the way. Decolonized Buffalo? Oh, you should definitely check them out. Decolonized Buffalo. I'm not from I Buffalo, <laughs> but I feel that I understand what you mean. Yeah, well, well, they're not from Buffalo either. Like, but but they they're um indigenous. I don't want. We can't be. We by the way. We can't decolonize right away. We can't. It's impossible. Well, well, you should you should listen to them. Like, like honestly, like I can't speak to that issue, but we've brought them on RBN and they've talked about like what decolonization means. They've talked about land back. They've talked about all of those things, and they've come on we, multiple times. And mm -hmm. actually, recently they were on twice recently. So, I would say definitely like check them out. Yeah, and but also, the thing is, the thing is that I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. Yeah. I'm here with all of my people because African, all those people are my people because we are under the boot. So right. whatever, whatever win you have is my win. You know what I mean? Because I have, I have no 
hate for my white brothers and sisters, or I don't have no hate for for whatever happened before because that's not them. The people that are here now can do something. They can be representatives for us, for our people, for the black, the brown, the the all the colonized people. So I don't like when I hear just one aspect of one lifestyle or one on one race because there's not one race. There's not multiple races. It's just one race. We are the human race. We've been taught to be called different races because black, brown, yellow, green, whatever you want to call yourselves, we are one race. And that is the lie that the colonizers have been teaching us for years. And we have been influenced and taught to always divide ourselves into into sections because the way the colonizers work is to destroy our heritage. Yeah, and and I and I totally get that, but I'm just saying, like they in particular talk a lot about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I hear you, Lance. I wanted to bring you in, and then we're gonna head out. Oh, yeah, hey, Seth, um, folks, um, yeah, the point I was gonna make going in, um, the uh, the midterms and all the elections and. Uh, Oh, what you guys were talking about. Oh, yeah, well, okay, so the breaking points and all that. The very first day they left Rising, they said, we want to create a new mainstream. I didn't like that very term from day one because I didn't like the old Ankai was great, but we needed Cy Hirsch and Izzy Stone. They were blacklisted long before the new censorship. They were out of the mainstream. So that's what we needed, more Izzy Stones and Cy Hirsch's. They weren't mainstream back in the day. So the idea idea that we needed a new, quote, unquote, new mainstream, no, thank you. We need a new, uh, more independent. They, They were supposed to become more independent. Isn't that what they said? From rising to now doing their own thing. Now they're mainstream. They went from trying to be independent on the corporate media. Now they have independence and they want to go more mainstream. Yeah, no, not buying it. You know. But there was no point. Oh, go ahead, uh, Case. Case, I think you were trying to say something. Yeah, I just want to thank you so much, man. As usual, you guys are always informative, and I love having this community. But the last thing I wanted to say was that um, I, I clipped something, uh, a clip recently, and it, they asked, well, you know, now that Kevin McCarthy is going to most likely be Speaker of the House, because most likely the Republicans are going to take the House, they, they, the question posed, how would he govern? And someone said, well, you know, They've increased the amount of, um, they call them the Freedom Caucus, which is like their version of what we wanted the the squad to be, the progressive left. He said, well, Kevin McCarthy is going to have to do whatever the Freedom Caucus uh, wants because, you know, they've grown a, a little bit in ranks. They have maybe 20 to 40 of them in the Republican Party. So they, he's going to have to do whatever they want. And I'm like, Wow. Look at the narrative, like, right out the gate is that 
the far right in his party has all the power, while if it was the opposite, whereas you know the progressives in in the in, in, matter of fact, we could see we could see the examples was, was right there for the last two years where Nancy Pelosi had the the speakership, and they demonized the the left or what they would call the far left to me is not they're, they're not far left they're just sane left according to the world where everyone has health care etc cetera, etc cetera. and they just deem they work so hard in the mainstream media to demonize the left to say they're crazy with the defund movement and all the various things and that was that the you know the common sense take but when it comes to the right they just automatically assume Oh, he's going to have to do whatever the right. I just wanted to make that last point. No, that's a very good point, Case, because it, it also shows the fact that our left, as small as it is, or the, the, the progressive caucus, as small as it was, had the power to do exactly what Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema did and just yeah, shut down do? legislation. Mm-hmm. And yet, yet, what did they do? No. They did nothing. What did they do? Tell me, what did they do? Yeah. Nothing. Could, could I chime in with that point before I forget it? A little stoned sure. and drunk. So as far as the agenda that uh, that they're going to put forth, Savvy, you were talking about how, uh, you know, uh, uh, they're – oh, damn. Just lost it again. No, I'll remember it. Um, the um, agenda. Yeah, the idea. So someone was saying – well, I got to go look at their voting record. I got to go take a good look at their voting record to see if I if I'm going to you know vote for them again or whatever. And I'm like, no, you, that's it. You just gave up the game. It isn't about voting for this person and then waiting two years later till it's time to vote again and wondering if they did what they want. No, you start from day one. You should already know what they're what the, how they voted. And they do that on the right, by the way, and they get educated, the, the, the so-called rubes on the right. They get educated about what laws got passed and what didn't by the ones who want the stuff done. All right, uh, which is why the, the base in the right, like you're saying, say, CJ, is that a case that, that, that is the ones on the far right that are going to control stuff. It's like, no, you start with your agenda. You elect them to do your bidding. If they don't, they're out. Not a question of I elected AOC. She's my magic woman. Now I can go away and go back to brunch or whatever I'm doing. And two years later, hope that everything got done. No, you hold their feet to the fire from day one. That's what they do in Europe. They don't vote for the magic wand and then go away. We're a Marxist party. We're a far right anti-immigrant party. Whatever they are, they make sure that their agenda gets put forth to the extent that they can do it by their party yeah. or they're out within one term. They don't mess around. And, you know, so the idea that you have to wonder how they voted, then you're not paying attention to begin with. They should be voting every time based on what you already wanted to begin with going in, not like yes. waiting. For- I guess 100% this is right, initiatives are so important. Yeah, but ballot initiative is just one start. It's one start because it has to include all the people under the boot, not just one minority, because we're not the minority. We're called minority, but we are the majority. They need us. They need every vote that we put in. And the thing is that the millennials have forgotten their faces of their fathers and their mothers. They have forgotten who they came from, where they came from, because most African-Americans have forgotten where they came from. Can you name what, what continent, what part of Africa you came from? Can anybody here oh, name what part of Africa you came from? Name what part of Africa you came from. 
Yeah, Calabria, Italy. I don't know. Italy. I think my sister yeah, told Calabria, me. Italy. I know. I know. My sister told. She was. My sister was doing research on my mom's side, so I, I, for, I forgot. She. She told me. Uh, I think she might have said Cameroon. I don't know. I, I forgot. I don't want to. You know. But I think. I think I do know. I forgot. She was doing the whole ancestry.com thing. You see. You see. You see, uh, Roger. You see. I know exactly where I came from. I know exactly where I came from. I am Night Taino Arawak. I am the first people that were conquered and called the first native Indians. A lot of um, American descendants of slaves are using whatever they can to try and pinpoint where their ancestors come from through um, the slave ledgers. But it is, it's very expensive, it's very expensive and time consuming work. Um, but there, uh, there are a couple, there's a creator and I can't think of his name at the moment, but I, I will try and send it to Savvy because I think it might be interesting, um, to talk about at some point, but, um, going through the old slave ledgers actually, um, is how a lot of, um, American descendants of slaves or the majority of the 13% of the population that is black is able to figure out what countries in Africa they were stolen from. But it's a lot of work and it's an actually pretty expensive work to do um, yes. to get the information, to get access access to it. One, last thing, one last thing I want to say. I met true Africans. Like they come from the continent of Africa. The most beautiful, loving, caring people that I ever met. They have love in their heart always. They greet you with love first without any any kind of uh, uh, um, pushback. They see you as a person. They don't see you as your skin. They see you as a person. You show them love, they give you love. You show them love, they give you love. Not not all of them, Sal. So, yeah, uh, I, uh, I'm yeah. sorry to say that. There's, yeah, there's a uh, lot of hostility I, yeah. that they have toward uh, ADOS, the FBA Freedmen. You know, that, that could be I'm so. I'm not saying all of them, but it is there. That could be so. I, the ones I connected with, and they come from the continent of Africa, they showed me love. And I felt that love. Like, it's, it's something that is profound. You, you, you can't duplicate that kind of feeling. It's something that is pure. It's something that is free. They give it freely. And, and when I meet people in, in, in uh, America, they don't show me that kind of love. They look at me like, oh, you're like Hispanic. I'm like, no, I'm Taino. I'm Native American. And they're like, no, you're Hispanic. No, I'm Taino. Can you get the difference? No, they don't see the difference. So exactly. I don't see the difference from that person, from the African person that you want to represent. Because the African person that wants to represent themselves show love first, like we do. We show love first. I, I hear you. I'm just, I'm just saying that a lot of times when a lot of people immigrate here, they are told somewhere along the line, 
do not associate yourself with black Americans. Not if you want to be successful in America. Yeah, I was going to say. To distance yourself I, 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 will, I will always yes. associate myself with black America. I, I, will, I will always associate myself with black America. Right. But I'm just saying, like, a lot of them, when, when, when they come here, are, to, are told this. You know? Even, the, even some from the Caribbean also. Not saying all Caribbeans, because I know we got Caribbeans on the line here. Okay? But... I get a lot of that also you know what I mean I had when I grew up so out here in, in Freeport right shout out to Medea Benjamin she's from Freeport um, so most oh can you hear me yes yeah we can hear you can you hear me yes oh okay oh okay yeah yeah so yes there were I my let me see my family was freedmen Ados, and there were four other families in the neighborhood what? that were freedmen, and then there was white, and there was whites in my neighborhood. Oh, who's that? Oh, okay, I guess that was someone else. There was whites in my neighborhood, but all the other black people in the neighborhood, they were their they were first generation. Their parents were from the from the Caribbean, so I always remember how differently I was treated by their parents. It was kind of like subtle. It wasn't, it was like, you, you know what I mean? It, it wasn't like something really positive. After a while, they that. just accepted it that, all right, well, that's just his black that. American friend pretty much, and I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. But, you know, there was, it, it wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 so then a lot of them are told when they, they come here, don't associate yourself with, with, with black American because they leave. They, it's a thing of divide and conquer because they believe yes. the, um, the stereotypes about black yes. Americans. They're lazy. They're, uh, I don't know, what, what other stereotypes? So they're, they're, they're in crime all the time. They're black selling, people, black you know, what, whatever, whatever it is. Black people, black people by the way, are not the laziest people. Black people, guess by who the way, wins every Olympic people. freaking shit in the every world? Olympic freaking shit in the world. Did I throw in an anecdote? Black people, <laughs> the colonizer. Did I throw in an anecdote? Oh, I'm, I'm like delayed. By the way, I, I think it might be because Roger. I think he. Okay, Roger just muted. I think Roger might have had uh, Bluetooth on. But um, we're about to head out, though, guys, because it's after 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> hey, love. But hey, Sabby, thank say. you. Um, Because I rarely get to say what I have to say. Because I, like, I love what Roger and Case Study have to say. Because my community needs to do this. My community needs to needs to raise their voice. Because we were conquered and we were sold and we were traded off and our languages were sold out and we can't even speak our own language anymore. So I, I'm happy that you still have a place that you entertain this kind of conversation because I don't have the balls, by the way, to start up my own freaking talk show on, on YouTube or wherever is possible to have like public and free speech. Because right now, like uh, Native Americans, they have receded. They like, okay, we fucking lost. That's it. We're done. And the black people need to get the reparations. And hey, we're there for you, bruh. 
We're gonna be there. We're gonna we're we are the same skin color. We're melanin people. We are the melanin culture of this planet. So we're gonna support you. I need to create my own voice for my people.